Recording live from Studio Chanteau, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome everybody to The Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with uh, my co-host, the uh, tenacious Tyler Dean. Tyler Dean, what's going on, baby? I'm doing great. Doing doing great. very great. Yeah, doing well. You're you're happy your boys are in the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. Yeah, your boys are in the playoffs. playoffs. My boys eliminated this week from the playoffs in uh, what was just a brutal defeat. Expected, but brutal. Even though we both picked the Vikings. Even though we both picked them, I was hoping they were going to come out was hot. Was it a superstition thing? It was a superstition thing. I was just hoping. <laughs> I was hoping. I was keeping my fingers crossed that, you know, Kirk Cousins didn't come out firing and we were going to see something good. And we just didn't. We didn't see anything good. I nah, didn't see anything good. It was a rough game to watch. I was sitting right next to you during the whole game. and uh, It was bad. I mean... My blood pressure was probably more through the roof because yours was one-sided, so you just kind of gave up on it around yeah. halftime. Um, mine, uh, oh, I saw you jumping around. End. We we went to the you know we stopped off at a Buffalo Wild Wings. We got to see Tyler jump around, dropping explicit words in front of small children. I had to apologize a couple of times. Yeah, it was. I get a little phenomenal. I loved it. It was and, funny and drunk too. Thank you for driving home. Yeah, yeah. I we there was there was a lot of beer flowing there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of beer. Um, uh, on the way home. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't tell you. Oh God. I did something. Uh, um, I'm gonna be in Baltimore this weekend. Ooh. I'm going to the playoff game. See, that's like a bucket list item. Exactly. Yeah. On mine too. I've, yeah. I've never. I've been to a couple home, a couple Ravens games. But I've never been to a Ravens game. At home. That's a bucket list item for me, too, to go to a Vikings game out in Minnesota. So I feel you. I it's, feel it. Like yeah. The, the, the Ra- Ravens have been, um, on average, uh, had 70,000 every, every game for home games. So you know it's gonna, they're going to be even more loud, and you're, you're probably going to be a, a bit more and, and, and maxed out for these for these uh, playoff, this playoff game. So it's going to be insane. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fun one. Um, and really, the playoffs are, are shaping up really nicely, even though my boys are eliminated. You know, it, it came down to the wire there. Um, I'm actually looking forward to playoff time, playoff football. We're, we're going to see a lot of that uh, fun wild card action um, that we see. Uh, really, the, to be honest with you, I think this is one of the best playoffs we've had for a while because there's there's a lot of teams that are in the playoffs that aren't like, you know, we're not seeing like a 7-9 to nine division winner or... or um, you know, an eight and eight team. I mean, I think the lowest team in there is the Eagles. They're they're nine and seven. So I mean, every team in the playoffs has a winning record this year. Yes, that's a winner, and um, I'm okay with that. I don't I don't have a problem with that. It's it's good to see. Um, and the two, um, I I don't want to call use this word, but I'm going to use it anyway. The, the two worst seeds, the two six seeds, uh-huh. despite being six seeds, are arguably two of the hottest teams right now. So it's the Colts and the Eagles. So in right. a way, the whole playoffs kind of go is is all full circle at this point. Any team can win it. And and let's also point out, you know, and and we were talking about this a little bit. The Chargers, you know, they make the number five seed, you know, and and a lot of people are out there feeling like they got robbed um, because they are sitting there with a better record than a lot of the teams that are in the playoffs. So you know, I, I mean, the playoffs. I mean, maybe it could use a tweak. The playoff, um, I guess, formula could could use a tweak in this case, but really. Uh, I mean, the Chargers sitting at the number five seed had what? What was it? Eleven and five record. Twelve. Twelve and four. I mean, they're they're sitting in a pretty good spot, and and I feel like I, I kind of agree. I think they should be higher. They, uh, in my opinion, yes, they should be the home team going into this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea that division winners 
you know, go to the playoffs. But if if your record doesn't indicate that you are, you know, better than another team, I don't think you should be put higher than them in the playoffs. Division winners shouldn't just automatically have the one, two, three, four seed. I think the division winners should, you know, they should be automatically in, but they should be seeded as as record indicates. Agreed. So but in any case, Tyler, we got some scores here for week 17. Um, and uh, are you ready to hop into those? Let's do it. All right, let's get crazy. Uh, here are your scores for week 17 in the NFL. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. They blow out the Miami Dolphins 42-17. It was the most points in a game for the Bills since 2016. Um, absolutely blow them out. Uh, the Detroit Lions go into Lambeau. They shut out the Green Bay Packers 31-0. It was the worst home shutout loss since 2006 for the Packers. Um, just a beating. The Jacksonville Jaguars fall to the Houston Texans 20-3. The Texans clinch an AFC South uh, title for the third time in the last four seasons. Um, pretty damn good for, for Bill O'Brien down there. Um He's got himself a franchise QB. The New England Patriots blow out the New York Jets, 38-3. A lot of blowouts this week. I want to point out something on this one. What's that? The Patriots clinched the first round by in this one. Yep. Um, before this season started, I was doing my bold predictions. Mm-hmm. And one of those bold predictions damn near came true. Almost. Um, I, I got called crazy for it, but um, being how close it was to happening, I, I'm not too crazy. Then that was that the Patriots would not get a first round bye. Yep. And that almost, almost did. It almost did. It came down to the wire, but they, they come out on top on the Jets. 38-3, uh, and they clinched the, the bye week for uh, week one. Um, the New Orleans Saints actually get get beat down by, by the Panthers, but it's really kind of the, the junior varsity, the Saints. Um, Michael Thomas, most receptions or uh, most receiving yards in a single season in Saints history. Panthers beat the Saints 33 to 14. In that one, uh, the Dallas Cowboys squeaked by the New York Giants. This was an actually a fun one to watch. We were watching this while we were out. Uh, Cowboys uh, go up 36-35. Saquon Barkley has now the most receptions by a rookie running back in NFL history. Um, Cowboys, great catch by Cole Beasley to, to um, tie this thing up, or well, actually not really tie it up, to bring it to 35-34. They went for two. They got it. And uh, the Cowboys wound up slowing down the Giants there. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons go up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 34-32. Mike Evans has the most receiving yards in a single season in team history uh, for the Bucks. The uh, Cleveland Browns, uh, really a nail-biter here. They, they dropped to your Baltimore Ravens 26-24. Came down to the last drive, last minute. The Ravens barely, barely kept Cleveland out of that uh, field goal range. It was great defensive play. The Ravens clinched the AFC North title as they beat the Browns 26-24. So a couple notes here. First one, um, Cleveland was at about the 40-yard line. Yep. It, it goes to show it that um, having a good kicker, reliable kicker, goes a long way because Cleveland chose to not trust their kicker to do the field goal and went four and four. Right? Something like a Tucker or a Gaskowski or somebody, they, they would have put the ball in the kicker's hands. Yeah, they would have given him a shot. Um, secondly, kudos to uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, he had the, the, um, the Ravens allowed the most uh, passing yards to, to Baker Mayfield and any of anybody all season in one game. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. High Baker Mayfield was looking to be a, a season spoiler there, and, and he almost got the job done. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs go up on the Oakland Raiders, thirty-five to three. The Chiefs clinch the AFC West title and the number one seed in the playoffs at this win. Um, Chiefs go up to twelve and four on the season. Uh, they're the number one seed. They get the first week, the, the week one bye in the playoffs. Kind of an exciting time for them. 
The uh, Chicago Bears destroy my Minnesota Vikings 24-10. Um, Bears have the most wins uh, in the regular season since 2006 with 12. Uh, the Vikings just couldn't get anything going on offense. It was a rough one. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers squeaked by the Cincinnati Bengals 16-13. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was the third Pittsburgh player with 110-plus receptions in a single season. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles shut out the Washington Redskins 24 to nothing. Eagles clinch the playoff spot with the that win and a Vikings loss. Uh, the L.A. Chargers, 23-9. Uh, they, they clinched the number five seed in the AFC playoffs. The Chargers beat the Broncos, 23-9. Um, the, the L.A. Rams, 48-32 over the 49ers. George Kittle was actually the story, though, even in the loss. He has the most receiving yards in a single season by a tight end in NFL history. Um, George Kittle, a relative nobody coming out. I, I love seeing him. Not anymore, nobody. Yep. And he loves wrestling, which is always good for guys yes. like us. Yeah, we're cool with George Kittle. Um, the Seattle Seahawks, 27-24 over the Arizona Cardinals. Russell Wilson has the most passing touchdowns in Seahawks franchise history. And which means it's also career career high for him. Yep. And uh, last but not least, the Colts clinched the final AFC playoff spot on Sunday Night Football, 33-17 with a win over the Titans, eliminating the Titans mathematically from the playoffs. And uh, everything is kind of shaping up playoff-wise, Tyler. We we've, we know our we know our uh, uh, playoff spots now. We know who's um, we know who's uh, ready to rock uh, in the playoffs. We we've got our wild card weekend all set up. Um, and and I want to take a look at this playoff picture while we're on the topic here because we got a lot of teams that finally clinched. Um, Let's go into playoffs. We're, we're already talking about it. There's only four games. We'll do the predictions here, too. Yeah, we can just go ahead and do that. So, just com- completely just throwing my... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm throwing your I game I put away. a schedule every, every time. About once every three shows, he goes, yep, we're doing this instead. No, hey, you know what? <laughs> we're talking about it. We're on t- we're on topic here. Uh, I know we have an itinerary, but we, we just gotta, we've got to go into it here because it's, we're, we're already talking about it, okay? So, in the playoff, uh, the number one seed, the Chiefs, Patriots are number two. Uh, the third seed is the Houston Texans. Number four, your Baltimore Ravens. Five is the L.A. Chargers. And six, the Colts clinched on Sunday Night Football. Um, so we've got our top six in the AFC. In the NFC side, number one is the Saints. Two is the Rams. Number three is the Chicago Bears. Four is the Dallas Cowboys. Number five is Seattle Seahawks. Number six, the Philadelphia Eagles clinched on Sunday as well. So with our... Um, uh, playoffs look good. It looks fun. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of good teams. A lot of teams that are very good who aren't playing their potential right now. Yeah, and there's some playoff time. And then you got teams that are playing out of their mind right now as well. And there's teams right now that are in the play. There's games that are set up in the, in, especially in this wild card round. This is going to be a good wild card round, really. I mean, the, the Colts and the Texans are going to be a hell of a game. We know that the division game of round three. Yep. And then you got Chargers and Ravens. That's going to be a hell of a game. And and the the Chargers are pissed, and the the Ravens are are ready to rock. Their defense shut down the Chargers last game. I want to see if they can do it again. That's going to be exciting. You also have the Seahawks and the Cowboys. The the Seahawks and Cowboys. I mean, Seahawks have that that great running game with Chris Carson. Cowboys have Ezekiel Elliott, arguably the best runner in the league. Cowboys are red hot. They're ten and six. Seahawks ten and six. So you got equal records here. Um, two teams performing at a really high level that we didn't think were going to perform at a high level. They're probably two of the most surprising teams in the playoffs this year. The Seahawks and the Cowboys. I'd say you're looking at Seahawks, Cowboys, and probably maybe Colts. Depending how because because a lot of people didn't have. 
didn't think that Luck was going to have enough pieces to get the job done. Yeah, and, and we discounted the Colts and, and just a couple additions, a couple small ones, guys like Quentin Williams, Eric Ebron. You, you got to see some changes out of the Colts. So, I mean, they yeah. played really well and against I'm, Titans, too. back to our, our beginning of the season predictions. Did he, he, Both of us knew that the Bears were going to be a better team this year. Did any of us put them in the playoffs? Uh, maybe not, six seed. Not until eight. Not until week eight when we did our second. Our, so the, our in the original one we had them just missing. Yeah, in the original we had them just missing. So probably nine and seven ish. Yep, and then and then you got the Eagles and the Bears um, as well, and the, that's going to be an exciting game as well. Eagles have kind of come alive. Nick Foles is hurt though. The Bears have have just been exceeding all expectations for this year. Um, that's going to be an exciting time. I, I'm I'm fired up. I'm fired up to see where this thing goes, um, and and. Tyler, I, I, playoff time, man! It's playoff, playoff time. It's playoff football. football, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. We're gonna we're gonna see uh, who makes it finally the Super Bowl. Um, so let's get down to business, Tyler. This is, and we only got four games. So currently, through the regular season, I I'm officially the regular season winner. I'm at 161, 93, and 2. You're at 158, 96, and 2. So I missed you by three games. But because I'm a good guy. You're a good guy. We're oh. going to continue this through the playoffs. Okay, because you're a good guy. Because I'm a good guy. <laughs> He's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here we go. Um, we well, Wild card weekend mm. predictions, Tyler. We'll just knock them out of business. Here's our predictions for wild card weekend. First and foremost, you got the Colts and the Texans. Uh, the big divisional matchup. Colts got red hot about five weeks, six weeks into the season, um, and and you know what? You gotta love it. The the Colts. I I, I you know what? I'm gonna go ahead. I want to take the Colts in this situation, but I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take the Texans. I believe that the Texans are gonna come out and rock this thing. So this is the first matchup, uh, Saturday, 4:35, uh, divisional matchup, round three. Yeah, round three for these guys. When te- teams don't really get a chance to play three times, and here we go, first round of playoffs. The Colts still red hot with Andrew Luck, and Texans yep. have uh, kind of been sputtering. Now we have to understand, and, and the reason that I'm, I'm kind of saying the Texans in this situation is the, the Colts, um, they, they are good. They're very, very good. They took on a, a pretty good Titans team, but we have to understand that the Colts took on a Texans team, or a Titans team, rather, that had... Uh, uh, Blaine Gabbard at the helm, and yeah. and I, I and they still, uh, you know, there were still 17 points scored in that game by by Blaine Gabbard, who I mean, uh, let's face it, is a first round bust at this point. Um, and uh, so this one comes down to the defense. Yeah, you. it really comes down to the defense. I think the Texans' defense is is just really damn and good. And they did split, so not only is this um, do or die for both teams, but it is the tiebreaker in their in their third game. Yeah, I, 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 and in this case, I'm going to Texans. I I mean. I'm gonna I'm gonna live or die by my sword when it comes to this right now and uh, and rock it through at least for now. I'm, I'm going for the Texans. I but have to this go is a game them. that's gonna be really good. Andrew Luck, um, right now is definitely more hot than um, Deshaun Watson. Yes. Um, and, but in that that Texans defense, while a little hurt, is still firing pretty good cylinders right now. Yeah, they're still winning football games. They're still doing very well. They they got outshined by the Eagles a couple weeks ago. Um, but uh, to me, I, I think that the Texans are they're the real thing. And uh, every team has a, has a couple rough weeks throughout the year. Texans have had a couple of rough weeks, but I don't think this one's going to be one of them. I think they're going to dominate the Colts. Um, I'm with you there. Yep. Now, uh, other games in the AFC, you got the uh, your Baltimore Ravens, Tyler, against the L.A. Chargers. And this is the next day. This is the 1 o'clock game on Sunday. Yep. And, and the Chargers, um, 
they got dominated by by Baltimore um, early on in the season, or a couple weeks ago, really. Yeah, uh, and, that, and that's what scares me is this is round two. They had 60 minutes to, to observe this team. Now yeah. they have all this time to go and watch back that game and pick it apart. Even the Browns said that uh, they're able to uh, to burn them because they found out that uh, watching tape that the Ra- <laughs> while the dominant as the Ravens are on defense, they're weak on on the verts. Yes, they are, and and uh, the Ravens were uh, the Ravens were looking a little uh, I, I guess human. Uh, against against uh, Cleveland, there. yes and no. They looked a little human. Because here's, here's the question we raised to you: um, do, that game, do you you put that more of a Ravens didn't look as good as they think they are, or Cleveland's better than people are giving them credit for? I think it's a little bold, to be honest with you. I think the Ravens defense, you know, they're the number one defense in the league, and and kudos to them for for getting that done and doing that what they got to do. Here's my my problem. The Cleveland Browns, they're very good, but they're they're better than people give them credit for. But think about the guys that were burning them, and and I, I don't want to want to say uh, when you know they they had nobody's burning them. They like this this Callaway character. Callaway's a good kid. He, he's a good kid, but but this Callaway character. If you would, I mean, do you really think that he's a first round guy? Is he is he you know uh, uh, an all pro? Is he Tyree Kill? No, no, no. The guy, the guy's a burner. He's a good vertical threat. Is he great though? No. And that's the guy. That's one of the guys that was burning them. It was amazing to watch this guy burning them over the middle. These deep routes. And if you take a look at what the Chargers have, think of that slew of receivers the Chargers have. Now that they the the Ravens have been exposed as not being able to handle deep routes and man coverage. Think about what's going to happen. If the Chargers start executing deep routes and kill, coverage, it was able to give them the Chiefs game uh, that fourth and nineteen or fourth and nine was mm-hmm. time to kill. Yep, and, and think about what's going to happen there. If the if the Chargers start sending guys like Keenan Allen out there and Tyrell Williams out there, think about these, so, these young fast receivers. Here's where I'm at. Um, as far as speed, Keenan Allen isn't as fast as Callaway. Keenan Allen's not as fast. But he's a, he's a big he's a big boy. But he's big. But think about the other two guys. Mike Williams has got some speed. Both of them, Mike Williams and Tyrell, they, they've got speed. They have, they're they greasy fast speed. That's what they are. I mean, the only guys that really can compete with them are guys like Tyler Lockett. I mean, that's that's and and, and, and obviously Tyree Kill. There's very few that really can compete with the speed of those receivers in, in L.A. And they're good reception, they're good possession receivers. On top of it, the Chargers could burn them on deep routes. No, well, they totally could. And, I, and I'm kind of looking at um now now that the rest of the league kind of knows it. I think the Ravens are also aware of this too. So they're going to yep. put some extra effort on that. You'll probably see one of the safeties watching Keenan or, mm-hmm. or Williams. And the other thing that that but the on the other flip side, on the flip side, the the Ravens, what what the Ravens have the ability to do. Not only are they they're good they're a good three four. They run that good three four defense. They like to drop those linebackers into coverage. If you can get those linebackers to cover well enough. You could be in great shape. Not to mention, the Chargers still have to play your boy Lamar. They still have Which to play. They really against him. didn't have a huge. Well, they actually did. Um, they they stopped they stopped the Chargers on offense quite a bit, and, and Lamar and the Ravens offense really didn't have an answer. Through halftime, they they only had six points. Right. So they did struggle against a very good Charger defense. I it, it just I, I think the Chargers could come as long as Philip Rivers can get his rhythm, as long as Philip Rivers can keep going. I'm going to go ahead and say I, I think the Chargers are going to take this game and they're going to come out on the revenge tour. I'm calling for the Chargers to beat uh, the Ravens there. And, and really, technically, it's going to be an upset. I think Ravens are going into favorites going into that game. No, I, I, a lot of people are still picking the Chargers going into round two. Wow. Um, 
The thing is, I I deem this game the second hardest game in in Ravens past the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, Chiefs being one still. Yeah. They, if um, they run into the Chiefs. The, one, the other thing they noticed is that so on the defense you see saw that the Ravens were weak against the, the Hurts. Yes. But they've also noticed it is uh, in kind of watching the games is uh, and this is the reason why the Chiefs are able to win. They say with with as smothering as the Ravens blitz is right now, um, traditional pocket passers who can't scramble. Are who, ha- are who are who are having the most, most trouble? Yep. So with that being said, people like uh, so, so look at the, looking at the playoffs. Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, and, and uh, those two in particular are going to have a lot are going to struggle hard. Yep. Um, Andrew Luck's a lot more like our boy uh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he can, can run, run when he has to. He can run. He can throw. Yep. So uh, those type of quarterbacks do a lot better against the Ravens. So yeah. with that in mind, the, the Rivers could go out and have, an, have another rough day against against the Ravens. Yeah, it's possible. You, you, you got to be able to get out of that get out of that blitz if it's coming at you. Yeah. I, yeah. But uh, on superstition alone, I'm going Ravens in this one. Oh, I, I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a way better game than two weeks ago. Yes, I think it's it going to be a one-score game, pied on the two or three points. It'll come down to the wire. The Chargers had trouble with the Ravens. I think they're going to alleviate that this time around. Um, on the NFC side, uh, you got the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Uh, this one's kind of fun. The Seattle Seahawks, they, they have uh, Chris Carson, um, who has been just a monster for running the ball. Uh, <clears throat> I love everything that he's been doing. He's been fun. Uh, and, and Russell Wilson, really, he hasn't, you know, he, he owns the, the receiving yardage record passing-wise, but, I mean, or the, the passing yardage record, but, I mean, he really hasn't had that good of a year. He's, having, at, he's having a quiet outside the top five <coughs> um, MVP year. Uh, really? Um, his numbers are really good. I mean, in, I look at uh, Russell Wilson right now, and I'm not buying Russell Wilson. I mean, a few weeks ago we saw the guy have a 72-yard game. I mean, had, I think it's 4,500 yards. Let me see here. Russell Wilson, no, he's got 3,448. And 35 and 7. Yeah, thirty-five hey, touchdowns, seven that's, picks. That's more than what he normally does. He's having he's having himself a career year right now. It's a good year. I'm not saying it's not a good year, but I don't think Russell Wilson. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with defense. I think a lot of it has to do with, with Chris Carson and and the fact that nobody saw him coming. Really, I mean, nobody nobody saw uh, Chris Carson get ready to come out and, and light the world on fire. Did you? Oh, no, no, no. A lot of people thought it was going to be uh, Rashad Penny's the last minute. They're yep. like, oh, we're going to have Chris Carson be our starter. I'm like, cool, yes. Yep. And, and his yardage total is down a little bit from last year. Um, he does have a very, very good touchdown. So why they say it was, it was a record <clears throat> year for, for Seahawks? No, it was, he, he owns the, the yardage record career for the one Seahawks. Oh, I thought, it was, I thought it said season. No, no, it's the, it's okay. the season's team single season. Or no, uh, this. The team's record for overall yards. For career yards. Okay. Yep. Okay, that, that's why I thought he had North. No, 40, no, 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 no. Like 43, because I thought he was... Yeah, yeah. His, his career year was back in 2016 where he had 42. Um, now, his rating, he has, he has the best quarterback rating he's ever had as well, 110.9. Um, this is, I mean, this is tied for his season low as well, interception-wise. His, uh, 2014 was his lowest year as far as interceptions go. Uh, this Wait, is the, I no, it was it was uh, most touchdowns in a single season. Oh, was it most touchdowns? I, that, I that is his highest. Yeah, that is his highest uh, touchdowns. Thirty-five touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions. So I mean, Russell. I mean, he's having a good year. Yeah, he's, I, I think he's not having as good of a year. I mean, last year, I mean, really was a better year. Twenty sixteen, really, he's been on somewhat of a decline. 
um, if you look from just his yardage totals. Well, yardage—that's only part of it. Though I, I look at his. Uh, yeah, look. I mean, look at his touchdown interception ratio. I, I'm not going to put 2016 as a career best when he can only threw 21 touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's debatable. Now, Russell Wilson, I, I think he is. Um, I, I, I think he's he's playing good ball. Uh, is he as great? I don't like. I said I don't think he's as great as as uh, uh, everybody is thinking he is being right now. Um, if you look at, I mean, even look at look at his numbers from game to game. Uh, this last game against Cardinals, 152 yards. He had a 72-yard game, 185, 176, 198, 172, 192. Uh, a lot of games struggling, breaking even 200 yards passing, which is is not like Russell Wilson normally. This is not a common thing for him. But but you had what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of 16 games where he did. What break I will give him yards. though is in those games he was under 200. He had three touchdowns, four touchdowns, three touchdowns. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give him that. So the question there. So he's a good, good game manager. The question, well, he's a good game manager. Yeah, I mean, the question there becomes how much of, of the success of this team falls on guys like Chris Carson. How much of the success on that of that team falls on the defense? Uh, the defense has actually been playing decent ball for the uh, Seahawks as well this year, if you really look at it. Um, really, I. I, I it depends on which Seahawks team shows up. Uh, the other side, the Cowboys, kind of a same story as Ezekiel Elliott. We know that that offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott. Dak Prescott having himself a, a much better year than he's had in the last two years. Let's face that fact. Dak Prescott is has improved quite a bit. Um, to me, the big story about this team is, is A, the, the great play after the trade for Amari Cooper and how Amari yeah. Cooper's been doing. And the other guy that I want to talk about a little bit for the Cowboys is Leighton Vanderesh. Leighton Vanderesh has just been fantastic. Great tackler. He's been good in coverage. And that seemed, everybody talking in the draft, when they were going in the draft, they were saying, Leighton Vanderesh can't cover the pass. Leighton Vanderesh has come out and covered the pass and done it well and effectively. I like Leighton. He's turned his defense around. Yeah, he's, he's been the heart and soul of this defense. Uh, young rookie player. And, and when he got drafted, I said, that guy's going to be something special. And everybody else was was kind of going, oh, no, he can't cover the pass. No, 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 no. He's been something special. This guy is going to be a lot. He's, he's basically the new the new Sean Lee here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what he is. That's He's the new Sean Lee. Um, so in this game, I, I mean, there's a lot of things up in the air. I'm going to Seattle. I'm going to go. have to go Seattle as well. I, I think Seattle, I, I think they're going to come out hot. I think Chris Carson's going to come out and, and, and dominate. Cowboys have their, their work cut out for them against that tough Seattle defense. I'm, I'm going to go Seattle as well. Um, last but not least, this one's kind of tough. Um, I think I know where I'm going with it, but we got Bears and Eagles. Um, you got Nick Foles, who's still in the Superman outfit and won't take it off, and it's starting to smell. Um, the Bears, on the other hand, just they, really the Bears are, are having a hard time getting their offense going, if, if you've noticed, the last few weeks. Yeah. Their defense has been great. Leo Max has been something special. Their offense hasn't been pumping as well as they were at the beginning of the season. Um, Tariq Cohen it hasn't been getting as many uh, carries. They've been running the ball well. Passing-wise, uh, Mitchell Trubisky not really throwing the ball around a whole lot. Really, he's, he's been pretty quiet the last couple of weeks passing-wise. Yeah, I mean, they, they've played some better teams the last few weeks, though. Yeah, the Vikings, the Vikings number, number four defense. The Rams and, and there's other teams. The Rams defense isn't that good. I wasn't saying, but it's still. I mean, they still have these. They still have the best defensive player in, in the history of the game on their team. The Rams' defense isn't that good. 
but they still have the best defensive player in the history of the game on their team. In the history of the game? He will go down as the best player in the game. No, absolutely not. Aaron Donald is very good. He's very, very good. He's a great player. He's excellent. He's one of the best, but is he the greatest player in the history? No, that's, he will be. that's crazy talk. Now, if you have uh, Chicago Bears taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, right now... I'm going with Kryptonite Mac, and, um, and Superman's gonna is gonna die away here. And I'm yeah. going the Bears. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and take the Bears. I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed, um, and and hope for the best with the Chicago Bears. Because frankly, even though the Bears are a division rival, I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. I hate that they eliminated us from the playoffs last year. I hate that they eliminated the Vikings from making the playoffs this year. To hell with the Eagles. Um, I want the Eagles to be gone. And uh, I don't want to see them in another Super Bowl. So uh, go for it, Bears. Knock them out. Um, and with that, that's our predictions for uh, the Wild Card Week. I'm feeling pretty good about that that stuff. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Now, um, Tyler, we have uh, a lot of stuff coming up here. We're going to be going into uh, – we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back from our break here, we're going to go ahead and get into um, some uh, draft stuff. We're going to get into some coaching stuff. We got some – Black Monday has come and gone. Yes, it has, and and we got a lot of firings, and we still, still really might have more on the horizon. I you mean, could, I think, at this point, it's certain it's quieting down. You won't have many more. I mean, no, maybe but one. But. There's there's names being thrown around. Um, a lot of a lot of potential uh, uh, pickups as far as uh, the coaches go. We'll go over some coaching coach tra- tracker type stuff, and and uh, we'll see what's going on around the league with that. And uh, yeah, we're gonna have some fun. It's gonna be a fun day. There's lots Ooh, of news. Yeah. We're gonna go around the league. Uh, So, folks, we'll be right back, right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's, or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I'm your host, Tyler Dean. And I'm here with my co-host, before he could boo me, <laughs> Sky Freight Time. Yay! I, got, I know I gotta do now. It's gotta mm-hmm. be quick. Yeah, and then boo Tyler Dean. Boo! Ravens in the playoffs. Uh, uh, what a jerk. Um, welcome back to the Outside Blitz. Uh, so, Tyler, we've got a lot going on around the league. A lot of, uh, I guess, personnel moves, not really uh, related to players. Black Monday. Yeah, Black Monday has come and gone uh, in, in a lot of coaches. Uh, coordinators, too. Coordinators making making headlines now uh, as being let go. Uh, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff in the NFL. We got to see quite a bit um, of coaches kind of seeing their way out. Uh, your boy, John, John Harbaugh, saved his job a couple weeks ago. Um, getting clo- by getting close to the playoffs, um, it's officially saved. He made the playoffs. 
Yeah, at this um, point. Like, but they, 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 but they, like we were talking about, they, they did it before the Chargers game. It was still uh, very bleak. Yeah. Um. So, and that told me, and it was something I had predicted, and we talked about it is, uh, because of the quarterback change, they're gonna, be like, you know what, we're gonna get another year to get th- to get things situated. We yep. can't next year, but 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 then here we are during the playoffs. So, um. And that's what I called beginning of the season was playoffs, and, the, and he's gonna he's gonna stay. Now, now you were right about that, but here's the other thing I'm gonna give you kudos about. Uh, last, you uh, never do that. I'm giving you kudos here because because last week we were talking about Todd Bowles being possibly being let go. Um, the the general manager of the Jets says Todd Bowles is our coach, and uh, <laughs> we were we were kind of laughing about it because you you were saying, well, he didn't say he's gonna be our coach next year, and and sure enough, Todd Bowles gets let go by the Jets. Um, <laughs> bye bye. Yeah, Todd Bowles gets let go. You know, I, I I like him as a coach. I think he's really good. I feel like the poor guy didn't just he just didn't have any. He got a uh, bad slice. Yeah, he he didn't have any. Um, any real playmakers there for a long, long time. It was, it was just, just a, a horrible timing for him. They're going to have to change the culture over there and and really get get that head coach some some uh, big playmakers here and and uh, whoever it is. Uh, and and it it just it's sad to see the guy go. He had a great power run mind um, when it came to running the football over there. He actually had a pretty good defensive mind as well. Um, just no players to get the job done. So Todd Bowles sees his way out in uh, in uh, New York there. Um, a guy that we were talking about a little bit, and we were hoping he was going to get another year. We we thought he would get another year. Was uh, Adam Gase? Adam, yeah, Miami. I, um, Adam Gase. That that one surprised me because he's been there. It was three seasons or four, three, three. I think. Um, one of which they made the playoffs. Yep, and and the other which they were they they they've been basically competing for playoffs almost every year he's been there. Yeah, he's he's actually you know not a bad offensive minded coach. They needed some more players over there that they to just get him over the hump, um, and they just couldn't. I think everybody kind of started realizing that that Ryan Tannehill was not the answer in Miami, um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Right? To me, Adam Adam Gase turned nothing into something. I, I I'm I'm disappointed that they that they let him go. Yeah, and on top of it all. Um, after Adam Gase gets let go, John Elway with the Broncos comes out and says he is not a hand uh, a candidate for the the Broncos head coaching job. Um, you know, spoiler alert. Yeah, we didn't talk about that one yet. Well, we haven't talked about <laughs> it yet. Uh, but I mean, Broncos did fire Vance Joseph as a head coach. Uh, a lot of the players were were, st- were sitting there going, "Oh well, we we stand behind Vance Joseph." We want him on our team, and we want him to be our head coach. And a lot of players were behind Vance Joseph. We're surprised that this the is Broncos... another one I disagree with too, because uh, it wasn't his fault. You you guys um, hired a uh, or signed a really bad quarterback. Yeah, they they signed Case Keenum, who really like as I said before, Case Keenum is a gunslinger, but he's only good in in uh, that Pat Shermer system. I had called this when he got signed. He floundered over there. Um, you know, it, it's just it's a bad situation. You know, you, you and really. Vance Joseph didn't really get a, a fair shake over there uh, with with um, Denver. He he he's had a, a slew of bad quarterbacks on his team. Trevor Simeon, um, and I'm not even going to say Simeon was bad so much as he was just less than average. You know, I think that's yeah. the best way to put it. Because Simeon wasn't bad; he was just below average. Lynch was bad. Yeah, Lynch was bad. Keenum again below average. I don't think he's bad, bad, but I think he's. Below average, I, I mean, Case Keenum, let's not forget, he did do a really good job in Minnesota. He was actually not too bad with the Houston Texans, uh, even though the Texans weren't winning a lot of ball games. He really could throw the ball around and sling it. It's just, you know, Case Keenum is is only going to be super successful in a system like Pat Shermer's. We said that when he got signed, 
and here we are, uh, Vance Joseph going out the door, and and it's sad. It's sad to see uh, John Elway is he's, he's got to make a move. Otherwise, the Broncos ownership is going to start calling for John Elway's head as the general manager. Um, John Elway, obviously a legend, but he hasn't had the success over there that everybody expected him to have and everybody wanted him to have. And I think a lot of this signing had to do with, you know, John well, Elway being John, John Elway. Has a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. He has a Super Bowl as himself, as a player. Wasn't he there for Peyton's Super Bowl? Oh, no, yeah, he was there for Peyton's Super Bowl, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, a lot of that had to do with the defense, not really the play of Peyton Manning, did not? The year they won, yes. Yeah. But before that, Peyton Manning was who yeah. Peyton Manning is. Yeah, and, and so... Manning's been a part of that year out, too, didn't he? Or at least the last quarter of the season. Yeah, he sat out a part of that year, um, and, and it, it, it was Osweiler actually came in and did a pretty yeah. good job. So so there's that. Um, it, it, it just makes for an interesting thing. Now, uh, another coach getting getting let go, Dirk Cotter, did get let go by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another one I disagree with. You had a top three uh, offensive uh, offense this year. I think a lot of their problem was their defense was really low on the list there. Uh, we also have to remember that that uh, we had that quarterback carousel thing going on here. And yeah, there was that. <clears throat> that that was kind of a mess. Wait, had you ever seen a quarterback carousel that had a top three offense? Yeah, it was, <coughs> it was it, weird. It was just playing, it was so weird. playing the hot hand from week to week to week. They were always coming from behind. It, it just showed there was a degree of disorganization there. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody... I think everybody kind of felt that that uneasy type of thing, and they also had a very very horrible run game. I mean, they they probably had the one of the worst rushing attacks in the NFL. Tampa Bay did uh, pretty Pey- close. Pey- was it Peyton Barber over there? Just I mean, well, because the other guy got hurt. Yeah, so I mean, it, it was just bad. Um, they need to they need to get a new running back over there. And now they need a new head coach over there. Um, one of the guys that that would be possibly stepping up into the uh, head coaching position, um, our boy Bruce Arians. He's he's interested in the Tampa Bay job. A lot of people were linking him to Cleveland. He did say a few weeks ago that, that oh, I'd be interested in, in doing the Cleveland job, head coaching. Um, we know that, that Hugh Jackson got fired several weeks ago, obviously. I think the uh, – I think Bruce Arians would do well in either team. Both teams are – not far away from really competing because that's not no. that's not that's not a mistake. As bad as Tampa was this year, they exceed expectations. It had a, it had a phenomenal offense. Yeah, uh, Bruce Arians is is uh, a fantastic head coach though, and and <clears throat> to be honest with you, I would love to see him in either place. I think he would be more successful in Tampa Bay than Cleveland. But you know what? Taking a young quarterback, you know this Baker Mayfield, you know, in in him basically showing us up because we were crapping on him at the beginning of the year. Yes, we were. <clears throat> and and imagine what would happen to Bruce Arians' legacy if he came into a place like Cleveland and took a guy like like a Baker Mayfield. I mean, it would it would basically be like Brady and Belichick, you know, where Arians if Arians could continue that type of thing uh in Cleveland. As weird as it is, I mean, um, hell's froze over and we're in the twilight zone, but the Cleveland Browns are the are the most uh um Luxurious yep. place to go right now. They're they're a hot team right now, and then and then you know over in Tampa. I mean, really, they they need a couple defensive pieces, and they're also a couple of uh, they're a quarterback away from having a really powerful a quarterback and a running back away from having a really powerful offense. They need pieces. There is plenty of free agency, plenty plenty going on in free agency, and we're going to wind up talking about that uh, in later episodes as free agency starts to get closer. 
but but Bruce Arians could wind up in either of those places. Um, and, and as many of you know, he he actually was pretty successful in Arizona for a little while there. Um, so there's that. But you know who wasn't successful in Arizona was uh, Steve Wilkes. He's fired as the head coach over with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, this is one I feel bad for. Yeah, I, I feel don't disagree bad. with it, but I feel bad for him. Yeah, I feel bad for the guy. Um, he he's had a rough go. Uh, a lot of retiring players. I think this was this one. See, to me, this one falls more on the general manager. Uh, I'd agree. You, you've got several. You know, first of all, the offensive line was just miserable over there. The offensive line. I mean, Josh Rosen. He consistently made my my um, my my forgetful five from week to week to week. But let's face the fact: Josh Rosen was the most harassed quarterback in the pocket out of any quarterback in the league. Yeah, he was. I also and, don't think he's very good. You know, we were we were. At the, you know, it's kind of ironic that we're saying that now because at the beginning of this whole thing, we were saying Josh Rosen was going to be a monster. Yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty sure you said he's the most pro-ready quarterback. He was the most pro-ready quarterback coming out of the draft, and Baker Mayfield has shown that he is, the, in fact, the most most pro-ready quarterback to come out of the draft. But the fact of the matter is, uh, Josh Rosen was the most harassed quarterback in the pocket. He he needs a line there. It, it was just it was a tough go for him. He got benched for Mike Glennon in week week 16, week 17. Um, I, just horrible. Um, but the the poor guy, he just. He didn't get it done with his with his team here. What he had, he didn't he didn't you know even make a uh, even make a conscious effort really at the end of the season because he still had the uh, one of the best receivers of all time on his team. Yeah, I mean, still had it's kind of the skeleton (laughs) and skeleton of Larry Fitzgerald. Let's be real. Well, it's just because he's not he he can't burn anybody anymore. But he's he put him in the slot. He he, he, later part of the season he started he started to come alive when the next a little bit yeah changed roles for him. So I, I. Arizona will be searching for a new head coach here. Um, in one of the more weird ones that that we were talking about, the Falcons fire the, everyone, everyone, and then they moved head coach Dan Quinn to take over as defensive coordinator. And they're talking about Gary Kubiak as the offensive coordinator, and or Daryl Bevel from the Seattle Seahawks as their offensive coordinator. Kind of a weird so thing. So is Dan Quinn still the head coach? I, I don't know if he's still the head coach. It's it's just a weird thing. But the Falcons did fire their offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkissian, defensive coordinator, Mark Quinn Manuel, and the special teams coordinator, Keith Armstrong. So The one that surprises me is the uh, offensive, offensive coordinator. Yeah, they, they had are, one of the hottest offenses still this they, season. They've and had, gonna let them go? They've always had a good passing attack. They've always had a good running attack. I feel like he's being let go because the defense sucked. A lot of it has to do with the defense sucking. And uh, Marquand Man- Manuel was not a good defensive coordinator. But the problem with, with Falcons, when it comes to their defense, is just the personnel. The personnel on this team is just has been miserable on the defensive side of the football for if a they long don't, time. If they don't draft um, pure defense, there's a problem. <clears throat> they need to. They need to look at defense and free agency as well. I mean, because look, look, look what Ravens just did a couple seasons ago. After after they had a, they didn't have a bad defensive year, but they had a, one of their lower ones. Mm-hmm. They drafted pure defense, and look what we're looking at right now. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm I'm wanting to see. Uh, I and see. I hated the Falcons for a number of years based on 1998, but uh, you know, really, the Falcons. Was that a missed field goal too? I hate you so much. <laughs> but anyway, I can't keep them all straight. God, I hate you. Just about all of them were either missed field goals <laughs> or blowouts. It's one of the two. Anyway, no, and and uh, 
the Falcons, if they were to go, I think they should have kept their offensive coordinator. I think he was one of the the positive things. They should have fired their defensive coordinator. I don't understand the point of firing the special teams coordinator. The special team, you know, you have one of the best kickers in the league kicking the ball in Matt Bryant. So I I guess I just don't understand a lot of these. these I guess in the special teams, I'd have to go and look and see how maybe maybe they maybe they're. Return teams weren't so good or something like that, but uh, maybe who knows? But either and, way, but really, I guess it comes also comes down to um, is Quinn still the head coach? Because if he, if he's if they if he's not, maybe maybe they're they're fire everybody to give someone opportunity to, to hire who they want. Yeah, maybe maybe Gary Kubiak is being brought in as a head coach possible thing because we got to remember Kubiak was a head coach of what Houston Texans, correct? Yep. So I mean, Kubiak is is uh, offensive brain, <clears throat> offensive minded guy. He could wind up being a, a good offensive coordinator. They could bring in the Seattle uh, offensive coordinator, and we could have ourselves a, a little bit of a show there. So could be fun in Atlanta. Um, another weird little situation is so Marvin Lewis gets uh, let go as the Bengals uh, head coach. Sad, but it was time. He's it was been, time. He's been the hot seat for like five years. Yeah, he uh, after, what was it, since 2003, he's been the head coach of, of the Bengals. Second longest current tenured head coach. Mm-hmm, yep, and, uh, you know, interviewing for the position is Hugh Jackson, who is supported by Lewis. And <clears throat> for some weird, unknown reason, the Cincinnati Bengals are entertaining this idea of Hugh Jackson possibly being their head coach, being supported by Marvin Lewis. All I want is a, is a, is a flashcard that says, please see 2016-2017 seasons for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Hugh Jackson has sucked as a head coach in Oakland. He sucked as a head coach in, in Cleveland. And now he's coming to Cincinnati and they want to make him the head coach. I don't understand this. I don't understand. Hugh Jackson is not a good head coach. Period. He's ben- not. Bengals want to have a longer quarterback <clears throat> list. I guess. I mean... It- you, I don't understand how this guy keeps catching on. I don't understand how how Marvin Lewis is vouching for him, knowing full well. And I don't understand how Marvin Lewis vouching for Hugh Jackson is any reason for the Cincinnati Bengals to even be considering Hugh Jackson. If anything, it would, should make them consider him less. Marvin Lewis just got fired, ladies and gentlemen. He just got fired for not doing his job. And now they're considering Hugh Jackson uh, just because Marvin Lewis said, Hey, this guy's a good head coach. No, absolutely not. This is a horrible idea. Hugh Jackson, had, I mean, like I said in, in earlier episodes, Hugh Jackson's a good coordinator. Good coordinator. Horrible head coach. Horrible. He needs to just stay away from head coaching altogether. Get him out of there. So Hugh Jackson um, getting interviewed now for his other spot, for the other spot, the one that he just uh, got dumped from. Earlier on in the season, Browns, the Cleveland Browns are interviewing uh, in-house. Uh, they're, they're interviewing a few out-of-house guys, and we'll talk about those guys in a minute. But right now, they're they're interviewing in-house uh, Freddie Kitchens and Greg, Greg Williams. Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator for the Browns. Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator for um, for the Browns as well. Uh, both these guys interviewing for those positions. Personally, I mean, if I if I was the Cleveland Browns, I'd be talking to Greg Williams a little more than I would Freddie Kitchens. I see the reasoning behind the <clears throat> Kitchens because the offense has been. Uh... Better really than good. the better than the defense. Better than this offense has been a very long time. Yeah, I see the reasoning, but the team is rallying behind. Um, Greg, Greg Williams. Greg Williams. Yeah. There, so that's the guy you got to go with. They are. They're rallying behind him. I think Freddie Kitchens has been very good. Um, in in getting Baker Mayfield moving. Do I think Freddie Kitchens should be the 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 um the, the head coach there? No, I think he should stay as an offensive coordinator. You know, like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, 
and and things seem to be working for the Cleveland Browns. You know, they 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 started off. I mean, the first eight games of the season, they were just bad. I mean, they weren't horrible, but they were bad. And and then after Greg Williams comes on board, suddenly things kind of started coming together, and they started playing well. And I I like this. Uh, um, I like this dynamic that they have over there on the sidelines. I think it's very good. I think Greg Williams is the best option. I don't like the idea of Mike McCarthy um, even taking over that position, and, and he is one of those guys that interviewed with the Browns. He also and and we'll be talking about Mike McCarthy in a minute. But to me, Greg Williams should be the head coach. Um, he should be the head coach of this team. I, I don't think there's. I if anybody made a good case for themselves, it is Greg Williams at this. Point. Absolutely. Yeah. This, what the team has done since that uh, firing is unbelievable. Yep. And Mike McCarthy, uh, he interviewed with the Browns. He also interviewed with the Jets this week. Um, both those positions wide the heck open. I think Mike McCarthy, uh, obviously Mike McCarthy's a good coach. Yes. I mean, we, we know that Mike McCarthy's a good coach. He, he's got his work cut out for him more so with the Jets than he does the Browns. Um, I think he could turn around either team, though, if you look at Mike McCarthy and, and his body of work. Um, Sam Darnold really is, is a pocket-passing kind of quarterback. I think Mike McCarthy could work well with a guy like Sam, Dar- Sam Darnold. I mean, don't you? Yes, I mean, absolutely. A big, strong arm quarterback. <clears throat> McCarthy, uh, you know, I, I I think he can transform either team in, into what he likes or what he would like. Uh, but ultimately, um, I think he would have a, a much better time uh, coaching in Cleveland than, than anywhere else. I mean, I would have a better time coaching in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's on the up right now. Yep. And Jets still have pieces to put in. Yep, Cleveland's got a lot of work. Uh, got very little work ahead of them to be a playoff team. They're They're basically on their way. So, uh, to me, Browns, keep Greg Williams. Now, um, also, <laughs> interesting stuff going on. Uh, the Lions fire Jim Bob Cooter as their offensive coordinator. Um, not a surprise. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, the, You know, Jim Bob Cooter, he became very predictable uh, throughout the year, um, this, especially this last year. Teams are really catching on. Last year was... was uh, um, you know, everybody could kind of tell that Jim Bob was, was starting to, to slow down, and, and he didn't really change anything going into this year, and, and uh, he got, got beat on a lot of, in a lot of situations. The Lions had some of the lowest scoring games of the year. I mean, 16, they didn't break 16 points but one time over the course of seven weeks. How insane is that? When your quarterback's Matt Stafford, a gunslinger, that's not acceptable. And don't get me wrong, I don't think Matt Stafford is is super incredible or anything like that. And I understand they didn't have a ton of weapons around Matt Stafford. They they they, they got rid of Golden Tate midway through the season before the trade deadline, week eight. Uh, Marvin Jones goes down with an injury. You know, you had Bruce Ellington as your number one receiver. I mean, things were not looking very good in Detroit as it was. Um, they didn't really have a good pass catching tight end either. But but let's just face the fact, you know, Matt Stafford, he, he needs – the only reason that, that he stuck around, that Jim Bob Cooter stuck around was because Matt Stafford liked him. Because Matt Stafford could get the statistics because Jim Bob Cooter's system catered to Matt Stafford and, and his stat, his stat line, really. But at the same time, um, Jim Bob Cooter's system was so easy to figure out that teams were just picking him apart. You know, you got, I mean, let's face it, and two of the teams that you face in your division, two of the toughest defenses in the league in Chicago and Minnesota. Yeah. You take you face the so that's four games out of the year where you got to take take on four or two of the toughest defenses in the in the NFL. It's four times out of 16. That's a quarter of your season. It's a big deal. So um, you know, Jim Bob Cooter gets knocked out of there, he's let go. Uh, the Jaguars also fired their running backs coach, uh, Tyrone Wheatley. 
Um, kind of a weird firing. I don't, I don't understand this. You, you, so you, you fire your running backs coach, right? And it wasn't even your running backs that were the problem when it came to what you were accomplishing on the field. You have, I mean, Leonard Fournette. Hurt all year. Hurt all year. But Leonard Fournette, when he's not hurt, I mean, does Leonard Fournette do his job? Yep. Does Leonard Fournette get the job done? Absolutely. Well, then why are we firing a running back coach? I don't understand it. It just it, to me, it just doesn't make sense. You have all you have way more problems on your team, uh, particularly at the quarterback situation. Now, if they had said, "Hey, I'm firing our quarterbacks coach over here in Jacksonville," I completely agree with it and completely understand yeah, it. Why is he still hired? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering the same thing. I'm like, wait, why does he still have a job? But you're firing your running backs coach, and a lot well, of maybe it, you're, maybe <clears> you should um. Your, your trainers should be, should be relooked at too. He's gonna have injuries every year. Every year, and and I look. I part of this I think has to do with what I'm about to talk about. So the Leonard Fournette got into that melee a few weeks ago with the Buffalo Bills. We remember that, um, just an all-out brawl. And uh, <clears throat> so the Jags, in return, Tom Coughlin, the GM, says that uh, he's gonna void Leonard Fournette's signing bonus guarantees. It was up to seven point one million dollars. Um, so now Leonard Fournette wants to lead the team, and then this last game, Leonard Fournette and T.J. Yeldon decided they were going to sit out at, uh, sit out of the game after the bonuses were voided. Uh, Yeldon was outraged by Fournette's bonuses getting um, cut, and Yeldon didn't want to play. Tom Coughlin says that they were selfish on Sunday. I, I mean, it's a big mess. Leonard Fournette doesn't want to be with the team anymore. Uh, Yeldon doesn't want to be with the team anymore. Uh, I mean, really, should we be... Should we be angry at the running backs coach? Should we we be angry? I mean, if I was Leonard Fournette, I'd be pretty pissed off too. It's a lot of money. Seven point one million dollars just voided because because I mean, you never saw that before. A team goes out and they have they have a brawl or they get ejected from a game, and you're going to void his entire signing bonus for the next X amount of years. That's ridiculous. Why would I want to play for your football team? I'd want out too. Yeah, I wouldn't it's, want to play there. But there's such a there's so much drama going on in Jacksonville right now. It's a very similar to the drama going on in Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely, and, and oh, that's that's even even worse. Um, but uh, Leonard Fournette wants to leave the team. I don't blame Fournette. I I don't blame the running backs coach. If anything, the guy I'm going to be blaming right now, and if I'm ownership, I'm going to be pointing the finger at Tom Coughlin. Yeah, that's that's who you'd be pointing. The you don't take your hottest player and take away his signing bonus over over a little a spat that got him ejected from one game. You don't do that. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense, and you're going to piss the guy off and make him not want to play for you. I mean, we're. It, it, when's the last time that you saw a player get into a a, a fight and lose his bonus and I, lose his I, bonus? None that I can recall. Lose his actual his entire contractually obligated bonus for the next what is it two three years. That's crazy talk to me. That's nuts. You can't do that. Tom Coughlin needs to rethink what the hell he's doing down there in Jacksonville. I actually stand with Fournette on this one. Look, I understand fights like this happen, and it's stupid, and you shouldn't be doing it, and you should be fined. At the same time, seven, that's, uh, let's just call it what it is. That is the biggest fine in NFL history. Yeah. $7.1 million. Uh, just insanity. Um, and then, you know, even more drama going on in Pittsburgh, like you were talking about. Antonio Brown uh, apparently having problems with uh, Tom, uh, Mike Tomlin and, and uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he requests a trade. He wants out of Pittsburgh. Um, a, lot, yeah, a lot of this stems from the fact that, that uh, 
and basically Juju Smith-Schuster was named the uh, MVP of the team. Um, Antonio Brown, I, I'm sure he probably feels threatened right now. You know, that, but he just got point. a big contract. You're, you're still the, the guy of this team. What are you feeling threatened for? You should want somebody there to, to go and. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I but it's. I mean, Antonio Brown. I guess they, he's having problems with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, they're arguing a lot. I guess they're not big fans of each other. Having yeah, problems with Mike at, Tomlin because after the uh, um, team MVP thing, which is a meaningless award, what mm-hmm. do you care so much for? Um, during during practice, Antonio Brown threw a football at, at uh, Ben's face and, and walked out and decided he wasn't playing the game. He actually left <clears> halfway through the Studer Bengal game. He wasn't even at Heinz Field when the when the team was on the field after the game. We even talked that, that's that was, that's mm-hmm. a cool little thing watching. Yeah. Um, they were they were on the field watching the Ravens game on the big screen. Uh, yep. All seventy thousand fans still there, just watching the game, just seeing what's gonna happen. And Brown's not there. Yep. He's gone. Antonio Brown left. Not in the locker room. He's not, he wasn't in the stadium. Yeah, and, and Antonio Brown, I think he's he's a selfish player. Um, don't get me wrong. I think he's very much a me, 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 me type, type of guy. Um, and I think we can agree on that. Absolutely. But at the same time, Antonio Brown, um, you know, I I can see his frustration uh, with Ben and Tomlin. Same time, I, I you know, I mean, grow up. You know, grow up. You're, Juju Smith-Schuster is a young kid. You got to know the young kid's going to come up behind you. But you got a big contract. You're not going to get your spot taken. And even if you get traded to another team, which <clears throat> Pittsburgh's not going to trade him, they can't right now. They can't. They're going to take a, tw- a twenty-five million dollar cap hit to trade him. No, which, I'm not which is him. almost as much as it'd be just to keep him. They're, you're, you're not going to see a cap hit. To, you're not going to have the same hit having you or not having you. Right. It's, it's, it's just it just doesn't make a difference. Um, so Antonio Brown, he wants to trade. I don't think the Steelers are going to do anything about it. They better just work that crap out pretty quickly. Otherwise they're going to, they're going to be, uh, in, in, in a big, uh, big spat here moving forward. This begin, is this the beginning you, of the end of the, of the, of the Steelers uh, dynasty? dynasty there? Yeah, it could be. It could very well be. Ben's almost done. He's getting old. Yeah. And, uh. And really, you know what? Ben is almost done. He's why, almost done. Why does Brown care so much? Just, just bite your tongue for about a year, maybe two more, and Ben's gone. I think it'll be about a year. Ben's 37 years old. He'll, he'll see his way out pretty soon here. Um, now, another guy who who is, uh, and this is one of those coaches we were talking about earlier, who's unsure about his, uh, well, first of all, let me talk about this. Let me talk about this first, because we we're, we got a, another quarterback wide receiver spat. Um, <clears throat> Sunday, Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins getting into it uh, on the sidelines. During the the game against the Bears, the game where they they go down, this is not the first time that we've seen Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins getting into it on the sidelines, is it not? You're right. Yeah, we've we've seen it a couple of times. Here's what I'll say about this: <clears throat> as a Vikings fan, I'm going to tell you that like this, and I'm I'm a realist, and I know people aren't going to want to hear this, but and, and Vikings fans out there won't want to hear this. If it continues, I promise you, Adam Thielen will be gone at the end of, in this off season. It, no, it definitely will because because you you can't get rid of Cousins. You you just gave him that guaranteed contract. Yep. You're not going to eat that. You are not going to eat that. Adam Thielen, you, you know what? Here's and I'll put it like this: three million dollar receiver arguing with twenty eight million dollar quarterback. Who's going to win? Twenty eight million. Bingo. And 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 really, it's more than that. It's um nine or seventy million or fifty eight million, yeah. whatever it is. Eighty four million. Eighty four million because because it's all guaranteed. It's all guaranteed. So who are you gonna who are you, whose side are you gonna take in that situation? Adam Thielen is a great receiver. He's a he's a playmaker. I like Adam Thielen a lot. I I actually think he's he could be the next 
big star of this team for for seven eight years. But the back, we, I mean, we talked about him a lot in the fir- in the first half of the season. But the back half of the season, his name has barely he, come yep, up. He fell apart near the end of the season. A lot of that had to do with the offensive coordinator stuff. A lot of that, you know, and, and Kevin Stefanski wasn't wasn't having them uh, pass the ball as much. That was another big issue. Um, <clears throat> Thielen and Cousins just aren't clicking right now, and and uh, it might be an issue in the near future. I'm hoping that they get it together. I'm hoping that they don't have to split the band up there, but it's kind of looking like Adam Thielen might be going out the door, and, and people are right now, I, I keep hearing that Mike Zimmer is on the hot seat as well. I think they're full of crap. It, it's funny, though. I mean, because te- you look at a team, I'm, I'm going to bring Jim Harbaugh into this because you're, you're, you're hard on him right now. Yep. Um, when, it, when, when, a, when a coach comes in and has a team that has high expectations and doesn't perform, people talk. I, I'm with you. Mike Zimmer should not go anywhere because of one season gone bad. But it's funny what happens. We'll take, we'll take John Harbaugh, for example. It's funny what happens when you, when you at least have, like, say, a Super Bowl on, on your shoulder. You ha- there's you get a lot more leeway on, on something going wrong. Here's what's going on with, with Mike Zimmer, and, and here's the reason Mike Zimmer shouldn't be going anywhere. Number one and number four, the last two years, and then before that, number five. Five, one, and four. You know what those numbers are? The rankings of their defense the last three years. The Minnesota Vikings have had three top five defenses in the last three years. They've been monsters. They went to the NFC Championship game last year. I understand this year you had a lot of high hopes. You had a lot of expectations. Pat Shermer saw his way out as the offensive coordinator. That was a big deal. Pat Shermer is a great offensive coordinator, period. He's one of the best. There's not a, a really, to me, there's not many offensive coordinators that can hold a candle to Pat Shermer. Um, Pat Shermer comes in. Uh, he goes over, and then he leaves, goes to the Giants, and and now the Vikings are sitting there going, well, what's going on? Uh, Kevin Stefanski didn't work out. Joe DiFilippo didn't work out as offensive coordinator. They got to be on the hunt for an offensive coordinator. I don't think uh, uh, Stefanski's the guy. I think he filled in well. One one two out of three moving into the 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 um, final three games of the year. But at the end of the day. You know, in in crunch time in week seventeen to make the playoffs, they floundered, and and a lot of it had to do with the fact that they abandoned that run game. They got too nervous about the the um, the the rush stopping abilities of that Bears defense. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Kevin Stefanski is he a good offensive coordinator? Man, eh, maybe we've we've got a very small sample size. To me. There, there's other offensive coordinators out there that could very well be better, and we're going to be going into a few of those um, as well. Um, one guy that I think that they should be looking at is uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who uh, the USC offensive coordinator apparently has been interviewing for potential coordinator and head coaching positions. Uh, he's had interviews with the Cardinals and the Jets. Kingsbury is actually really good at USC. He's he's had some uh, high-ranked uh, offenses and, and actually – could make a splash. I mean, we got to see some a splash made out by uh, Joe Nagy this past year uh, with the Bears, and and right now they're sitting pretty in the playoffs. They had a great offense this year, good offensive attack, a lot of trick plays, a lot of a lot of good running plays, very strong rushing attack, a um, lot of lot of checkdowns, a lot of uh, uh, rack yards. I mean, kind of an interesting move, don't you think? Oh yeah, for sure. The the Bears are have turned have done a complete one eighty. Yeah, and this season. Kingsbury could be a. Um, he could be, I mean, right, right in the, right in the mix there. I mean, he, he could be in the mix. I, I don't, I don't think he's gonna get a head coach. He's, he's not gonna go from college coordinator to NFL head coach. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I think he should be looking at the, uh, the guy who just got fired out of Atlanta. Yeah, he should be either looking at Atlanta or she'd be looking at, to be honest, Minnesota. I think he should be looking at Minnesota. He's got a 
a built-in setup over there, um, with the exception of some offensive linemen that they need. I mean, they've got a pretty built-in setup. I think it's it's actually pretty smart. Um, <clears throat> so Cliff Kingsbury making his way to the NFL. Other uh, jobs being interviewed for Josh McDaniel. It, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't touch this one with a ten foot pole. Um, can't trust him. Can't trust him because he, he did. Which one did he pull out? The Colts. Colts. Yep. Josh McDaniels is to interview for the uh, Packers head coaching position. Um, could be kind of interesting. Uh, do you think Josh McDaniels is a yes man that can cater to Aaron Rodgers? Do you think him and Aaron Rodgers will even get along? I I don't know. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem to get along with anybody. No, it's, it's it's weird. I don't know what it is over there. I don't. Uh, Aaron Rodgers to me, he's always been an arrogant jerk, and Aaron Rodgers has been a real arrogant jerk recently. I mean, so he's really Brady, has. though, but um, Belichick and him are just fine. Well, sometimes. Belichick and him are are they always have this love hate relationship, but it always seems to work out for the best as long as they're winning. That's the big thing. As long yeah. as they're winning. Um, but uh, I I, don't, I wouldn't trust the guy. Honestly, I, I wouldn't trust him at all. But he is uh, going to be interviewing for the um, uh, the Packers head coaching position. McDaniel's speaking of the Packers, Aaron Rodgers did suffer a concussion this past week in the loss to the Detroit Lions. Um, not really a big deal because he'll be off. Um, my only hope, and I, I mean, I don't like to wish bodily harm on people, but at the same time, I hate Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so, um, you know, that that whole thing. Um, and then uh, also in the NFC North, Latavius Murray leaving the Vikings in the offseason. He says he wants to be a starter. He says he doesn't like competing for a starting position. He doesn't like being a backup. He wants to be a starter. Um, I don't know that Latavius Murray is ready to be a starter. Yes, he is. What, what makes every game that? That, that, that he was in there for Dalvin Cook, um, Latavius Murray performed. I guess. I mean, from a yardage standpoint, I see, I'm not going to entirely agree with you. From a yardage standpoint, Latavius Murray was not as explosive as Dalvin Cook. That's the first thing. Did Latavius Murray come out and perform? Eh, kind of. He made it in the end zone. Um, he didn't put up the yardage that he needed to put up. And and I, I it, was he good for a big play here and there? I, well, yeah, but so was Jarek McKinnon. And Jerick McKinnon... I He's mean, also a starter in this league. He, he shouldn't be a starter in the league. Jerick McKinnon should not be a starter in this league. Jerick McKinnon is a change of pace back. I think Latavius is kind of the same way. I don't like even like Latavius as a third down back. When Latavius Murray came in on third downs, at fourth and one situations, I can't count the amount of times that Latavius Murray got stuffed in third and one, fourth and one situations. Um, Latavius Murray, I mean, is he good? I, I think he's good. But here's the problem with Latavius Murray. We all saw, you know, when when he got signed two years ago to by the Minnesota Vikings in the offseason, Latavius Murray had just broken 1,000 yards. It was 1,009 yards. And everybody got super excited. And I don't have a problem with that. Kudos to Latavius Murray for breaking 1,000. Or there was 1,050, I think. In any case, here's my, th- my issue with it, and we've talked about it in the past. How many carries did Latavius Murray have to get in order to break that yardage total? The amount of carries, and it's great that he's a workhorse, and that's fantastic. But the amount of carries that that man had to get in order to get that yardage, he was topping almost 30 carries a game. But he's not, he's not a speed back. Power backs aren't meant to get shit ton of yards. But the problem is is that he if he's a power back, that's fantastic. But tell that to Nick Chubb. Because Nick Chubb's out there putting up monster numbers every game. Almost. He doesn't get hit. I mean, he's a speed back who just who can. Get he's it. a big bruiser. It's what he is. He's not really a speed back. The guy puts his shoulders down and rams people over. I mean, that's his job. Have you seen the size of that guy's shoulder pads? He's humongous. But Latavius is 
he Latavius is even smaller than Dalvin Cook, but you think he's going to be your third down back? Latavius is going to go to Tampa. I think he will. I think he will. Jets don't go for Bell. There, somebody's going to sign him, and and you know Latavius. But to say he's not a starting running back is foolish because he's better than a lot of running backs that are are currently number listed number one. And I'll say that, yeah, but I don't. Is he is he like a game changer? Is Latavius Murray a great running back? You know, I want the guy to prove me wrong at the same time. I mean, he just he hasn't done anything for me these last two years. I, I looked at Latavius. He's gotten in the end zone a couple times. I, I mean, I, I appreciate his his contributions to the Minnesota Vikings. I think he did a great job, you know, in certain aspects. But there were a lot of aspects where he was lacking. And um, I just don't think he's going to be as successful as everybody believes. Um, but Latavius Murray uh, looking to get out of Minnesota and, and um, find himself a starting position, and that's cool. Um, so speaking of running backs, uh, Damian Williams comes in for two games as a starter with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, starts two games, has some two pretty good, pretty darn good games, signs an $8.1 million extension with the Chiefs. He's, he was a a third stringer at the beginning of the season, uh, behind, um, Ware and the, uh, the woman beater and winds up in a starting position with Ware being down comes in and uh, tears it up and gets $4.1 million for the next two years. He's a starter. I guess. I don't know. I $4.1 million, that's a lot of money to be paying for for a guy who's basically going to be a backup behind Spencer Ware. I just I think he, I, I think Ware's going to end up being the backup. You, you think so? I do. I mean, and, and if he does, that's cool. I, I mean, $4.1 million for that small of a sample size to me is just... I oh, what, what about uh, Seattle giving Matt Flynn all that money for a game? I thought that was crazy or, talk, um, too. My, or McGlennon. Or, yeah, Glennon. We, we, we knew money. that was crazy talk. <laughs> we, we called that crazy talk. I mean, we, I, I think... I got a bunch of money. I think and, that's uh, crazy talk, too. I thought that was Boy nuts. Bradford. I thought that was nuts. I, I mean, some of these signings are just bad. This is one of the ones that... I mean, because the money isn't isn't fifteen twenty million, some insane number. I mean, all right, I guess I can deal with it. I don't really buy it as much as everybody else does, but yeah, I can. Okay, I mean, you know, I can deal with it. Um, I think it's a bit much, but hey, you know what? It's not my money to be throwing around. I guess. Um, now, Dave Gettleman, <laughs> Dave Gettleman. Um, has said today that he will not commit to Eli Manning as the starter in 2019. Which is different than what he said a couple weeks ago. Different than what he said a couple weeks ago, but also kind of interesting, you know, so a couple weeks ago, and, and so we're getting a lot of flip-flopping here. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about how Eli Manning won't be the starter in 2019. Um, we were talking about Justin Herbert. You know, Herbert is uh, um, getting ready, was getting ready to come into this year's NFL draft. Herbert pulls out of the draft. Herbert is off the board. Yeah, he is off the board. Herbert pulls out of the draft, decides he's going to be going to Oregon for his his senior year, and Dave Gettleman comes out and says, Eli Manning is our starter for 2019, and he's going to be our guy and whatever. And then he comes out and says, yeah, I'm not going to commit to Eli Manning as our starter moving forward. It's just not making a lot of sense. Um, We know there are a lot of good quarterbacks coming out. Dwayne Haskins is coming out there. Drew Locke is coming out. Here's what I think. <clears throat> I think that they're going to draft a quarterback, but it's not going to be first round. It's going to be a guy to be the backup for Eli Manning. And then what they're going to do is they're going to wait till Justin Herbert comes into the draft next year. And then they're going to snag Justin Herbert. I think they're too sold on Justin Herbert to make the move on any quarterbacks moving forward in the draft. 
Um, I think Eli Manning's going to wind up being the guy, and, and I think they're kind of just keeping him on his toes a little bit. I think they want him to perform well because it seemed like as soon as they started talking about Justin Herbert being the guy, Eli Manning just came alive. I, I think this is like a Jedi mind trick from Dave Gettleman. So we're going we're going the suck for Herbert route. You think they're going to do really bad next year and get a high draft pick? I still think they're going to do bad. Um, and I think, I think Justin Herbert's thought process is he wants to be number one in the draft. And I think he realized this year, there's no way in hell he's going to be above Nick Bosa or Quinnen Williams or Ed Oliver or Greedy Williams. I think he knew that. And, and you know, that's a big drop. You know, you, you go from one to seven and you're, you're losing $7 million off your contract there. I think it's a money talks and BS walks and a lot of it had to do with money. Um, Justin Herbert, I mean, and and that's another. So I mean, in 2019, I mean, I think you're going to see Eli Manning be the guy in in New York. Um, as for Herbert, Herbert goes into the draft or goes into his senior year in Oregon. Uh, is this smart for him? I don't think so. I think he could. I mean, this could be bad. I mean, it could be good. It could be bad. It's good. He has more. There's more of a. Um, there's more of a floor dropping out possibility than anything else by by continuing with his senior year in Oregon. There. Um, Justin Herbert, if he gets hurt, if he doesn't perform well in the Senior Bowl, if he, I mean, who knows? I mean, he could, he could be really, really, he could lose a lot of draft from, stock. From that perspective, I'm with you, but from another perspective, and maybe it's just me, um, he's staying. He's he's in, he's going to be in his degree now. Yeah, that, that's a big deal because if you go into your first year of pros and and you crap the bed, and you either crap the bed and you go or God forbid something very scary happens, you still have a life. Yeah, and it's smart on his end from that aspect. My problem is just that okay, you're you're gonna come into the draft, or you're gonna you're gonna say you're gonna declare for the draft, and then you're gonna be like, nah, I'm gonna do my senior year, and everybody thought you were gonna declare, but you're gonna do your senior year, and then you're gonna lose. I mean, on a lot of money going into that draft. I mean, you could lose out on a lot of big dough here. And I think a lot of it, uh, um, I think even the decision itself could affect his draft stock. You know, the, the, him him being kind of a uh, a wishy-washy kind of guy. I mean, people are looking for strong-minded, that's what the NFL is looking for, strong-minded type of guys that are going to make their minds up straight away. People thought he was going to you know, go into the draft. He was talking about going in the draft. And the next thing you know, poof! I'm not going into the draft. I'm going to do my senior year. See, I don't think I don't think it deems him as wishy washy. I think the NFL will will look at it from a okay. He's a smart kid. He wants to get all this shit done before he moves on to the next level. They'll look at it from that perspective as well. I mean, but I I mean, this could negatively affect him. And if he doesn't do well in the senior year, if he doesn't do well in the senior bowl, if he gets hurt, whatever the case, you're you're taking a big risk. You're definitely taking a risk by playing an additional season before you make it. You, de- yeah. you definitely are. When you, when you don't have to. It's like being handed a, a $10 million lottery ticket and then going, hey, I'll buy another one and see what I can do instead of cashing in on this one. You, know, you either take the $10 million then, that they're and, offering And then putting you. it in the, in the drawer and then someone breaks your house and takes a ticket. Right. <laughs> right. That's exactly what it is. So I, I don't know if I, I agree with, with the, uh, the decision to um, – to play, but hey, what can you do? Um, as far as uh, quarterbacks, we got a lot of quarterback stuff going on. Ryan Tannehill possibly leaving the Dolphins could be a potential landing spot uh, in the future for uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, Tannehill, it, 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 does he have one year left on his deal, I think it is? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, could be a potential landing spot for uh, 
um, Justin Herbert over in Miami. Um, now, say from a hypothetical standpoint, Justin Herbert does come into the draft. Miami does really poorly with Ryan Tannehill. Do you like this landing spot? Without Tannehill, I don't think they have much over there, so I, I, I could see that definitely be they're not that close, though. Uh, well, they've got a potential uh, out this year. Miami does. I think the difference there's too big, though. I mean, 20, 22 million dead cap to me is too too much. Twenty two million dollars in dead cap. I mean, they they will have paid out his uh, the rest of his salary. I mean, after that, you're talking about a thirteen million dollar cap hit. Nineteen million. I mean, Ryan Tannehill says he wants to to finish his career in Miami. He's thirty years old. They could move on from him. Uh, and and he has underperformed. Let's face the fact. He has underperformed pretty pretty heavily. Not to his own fault. Not not just they to haven't a, given him enough pieces. Not just they made to the his playoffs. own fault. He's done a lot. I mean he he's done he's done a lot in certain aspects, but I mean, how long has he been here? He he was here in two thousand twelve is when he got picked up. He's had one playoff berth since two thousand and twelve. Um and he's been paid a, a pretty pretty handsome sum here. I mean in two thousand seventeen he made seventeen million dollars, twenty sixteen he made nine million dollars. We're talking about a guy here that ultimately has made about thirty million dollars throughout his career, and and he really hasn't done much. Fifty-seven. Oh, is it? Oh, there's the number. Look at that. So he's made fifty-seven million. Oh yeah, well, thirty million on his last contract. He's made fifty-seven throughout his career, and he hasn't done a whole lot. That's a hell of a lot of money. He's made almost a hundred. Uh, I mean, half a hundred. Uh, over he, over if half. He stays. He'll have made ninety-five by the end of his contract. Yeah. I mean, we're we're talking. This guy has made. Close to nine figures here. He's closing in on it now. Next year, if he sticks around, he'll be making seventy-five million. He'll made seventy-five million throughout his career. Do you, do you want to put that much stock in Ryan Tannehill? I, I don't. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is an eighteen, nineteen million dollar quarterback. I don't think he is. I, it's it's hard because so many different players are getting are getting these big twenty millions becoming the new ten. It's, it's weird. I, I hate it. Ryan Tannehill, he's not worth $19 million. I would be moving on from finding a new quarterback. And we'll be talking about the, the draft stuff um, coming up in a little bit. I, I just don't don't believe in that. He says he wants to finish. I don't I don't think he's gonna. Um, other good quarterback stuff on the on the good side of the quarterback wagon here. Um, Baker Mayfield. He breaks the uh, rookie touchdown passes record. Um Kind of a cool deal. I mean, Baker's going to be a good quarterback. Proving us wrong over and over and over again. He, he's proving us wrong. Um, wow. Baker Mayfield. If you would have told me, I, I mean, we, we heard me crap on him when we first started the show. Um, we, were, we were talking about <clears throat> the draft and how I didn't think he was going to be a, a good quarterback. I didn't I think, think he owed the Browns an apology. I do. I do. And I apologize to Baker Mayfield for crapping on him so bad. Because even Denzel Ward has, has had himself a great year. Yeah. And uh, Baker Mayfield has. Has made me eat those words primarily. I, I kudos to Baker Mayfield. Great job. Um, he's going to be something special in this league. Cleveland Browns could very well be going somewhere. I mean, I know it's early. I know it's early in his career. I know I called the guy a bust. You can't say he wasn't a bust yet because we're still talking about it. He just got done with his first year. But uh, Baker Mayfield just coming out firing. I, I'm I'm impressed with the. Uh, he broke the rookie record, if I'm, and he didn't even start the whole season. Yep. A uh, lot of lot of good passing going on there. He had a hell of an he's had a hell of an arm. He's had uh, two great receivers be around him too, which have been really helping him. Um, I love it. So uh, this was a good move. Um, now a guy that had a, a, a he didn't have a good year this year, but he had a pretty good year year, year and year before that. Year, year last year and year before that 
was Quincy Anunwa. He's had a good year. He's been a he's been a good good uh, steal for these guys. Yeah, he's been a steal. Jets get another steal on this guy. Four years, thirty-six million dollar extension. They signed with Quincy Anunwa. The New York Jets do. Uh, Quincy Anunwa. I mean, they're paying the man nine million dollars a year. That's a pretty good price for a really good receiver. Yes, it is. And he's a really good receiver. He's a, he's one of the most underrated receivers I think in the league. I think he's he's young. He's fast. He's got good hands. He's a playmaker. Uh, great in the red zone. Quincy Anunwa gets signed to a um, a big deal here. Uh, and and uh, a good deal. I mean, nine million dollars. It wasn't wasn't a massive deal. We're not talking like fifteen million dollars. You know, Jarvis Landry. We're we're talking nine million dollars for Quincy Anunwa. Smart play, smart play Absolutely. by the Jets. I, I'm I'm happy with this. If I'm the New York Jets, I'm uh, they should be proud of this signing. He he's a good number one. He can even he can be a number two. Um, did he perform like at a super high level this year? No, he was also hurt for a good portion of this year. I like and Quincy they got a rookie Nuno. quarterback who's still getting his footing. Yeah, I like Quincy Nuno, and this is going to be a big help uh, for Sam Darnold. It's tough for a player to play under a a the the shadow of a one year deal. Um, so kudos to the New York Jets for getting that done. Great job by them, their front office, um, making that happen. Now, <laughs> one front office that is um, slightly confusing and uh, continues to be confusing, uh, Mike Mayock took over the Oakland Raiders general manager to, uh, position. I, I'm not so sure how to feel about this. Welcome to the Twilight Zone, Mike. I guess. Because this team is a dumpster fire. It, it really well. The, the I I wouldn't say the team is right now, but the 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 staff is. I mean, it's just <laughs> confusing. John Gruden. Um, I mean, John Gruden is gradually turning the team into a dumpster fire. But, uh, wow. Uh, Mike Mayock. I mean, they they believe that Mike Mayock, as an NFL analyst, is going to wind up being the next big thing as far as a general manager goes. He's been a good analyst. Let's face that. Mike Mayock, good mm-hmm. journalist, good analyst. He he knows the game. Do I, I I don't know that I believe that Mike Mayock is going to make a good general manager. I, I mean, I hope he does. I like May, uh, Mike Mayock. I think he will. I like Mike Mayock. Um, I, I just don't think, I, I mean, as a general manager? I think he will. I, I guess. Um, kind of a strange thought. I, I don't I don't know if they just didn't know if there's any general managers hanging around or what. I mean, there's plenty of general managers out there that, that know what they're doing with football teams. Mike Mayock has never run a football team. Um, he's never been a head coach. He's never been a general manager. This is his first front office position. And um, here we go. Welcome to welcome to Oakland or Vegas or whatever the hell they're Still doing Oakland. these days. I mean, well, I. Who knows what they're doing these days? All these West Coast teams flipping and flopping their their cities, um, just weird. Speaking of Gruden's, Jay Gruden says he's unsure about his future with the Redskins at this point in time. He's unsure about him wanting to stay, or he's unsure about the Redskins keeping him. I think. Why would you not keep him? You're you're, you're on the way to winning a division. Your quarterback got hurt. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. But yeah, it's not his fault. Um, I, I mean, he's he unsure be in the about hot it. seat. I, I yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he should be in the hot seat. We'll see what happens. We know we've been talking about the potential of Joe Flacco possibly going to the uh, the Washington Redskins um, from the Ravens, which could be a big help for him. Uh, it just depends on what's going on with Alex Smith. Uh, and I think Alex Smith is probably done, but hey, whatever. Uh, so do you do you think he's gone, first of all? Gruden? Gruden. Jay no, Gruden. absolutely not. Okay. And and the, the second question is, is do you think if he doesn't do well this season, if his team doesn't come out and perform, 
Is he gone? I believe that no matter how no matter how they do next season, he's still in the team in 2020. Wow. Okay, that's bold. Because they're on the way to win the division by a long yeah. shot before the quarterback got hurt. Yep. Everything now, that happened is not his fault. They had, they had a top-notch defense. Well, their defense fell apart near the end of the year. Let's face that fact. Well, it's because the offense goes to have the field. Well, the well it, was it, it wasn't just that. I mean, they, they their secondary was, was in shambles. DJ Swearinger went out the door. I mean, it was a big mess. I mean, they, they, they need some, some secondary help. But I think ultimately, Jay Gruden, um, I think he sticks around this year. Uh, we know how the NFL is. If he gets canned, I, I don't know that I'm going to agree with it. Um, but hey, whatever. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's a kind of an interesting little situation in in Washington. I <laughs> weird. Um, we had a a couple of retirements over the week too. We got to talk about these. Ben, or, well, they're going to be retiring. Ben Watson is set to retire at the end of the season. Uh, he's still with the Saints right now. They're still hot on the uh, Super Bowl trail here. Um, but Ben Watson set to retire at the end of the season. He's had a good career. He had a uh, uh, let's see some time in Cleveland, some time in Baltimore. Um, now with the Saints, good career, very good career. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, good career, uh, good tight end. He he's not the Ben Watson of of yesteryear, but he's still a good uh, pass catching player. He's not the big playmaker he used to be. Remember when Ben Watson used to be a monster for a little while there. And then uh, Kyle Williams also retired from the Buffalo Bills. Um, scored a touchdown in his last last game of the season. Came yeah. out big offensive lineman comes out scores a touchdown. Bills players retiring. It's been a story this season. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. At least this one wasn't midway through the yes. game. Um, but uh, he he does um, he does uh, uh, retire. He had a hell of a year. Hell, hell of a year. Hell of a career. It was a good career for him. Um, and uh, good news for you. <laughs> Hunter Henry returns to the Chargers for the playoffs. Good news for my my pick anyway. Um, uh, good news for the Chargers. This is it's good news for the Chargers. I'm I may eat my words on this one. But I'm not sure he's ready for game speed yet. I, he, I don't know. He just started taking first team reps. And he said he's been gone the whole season. Yep, injury. I mean, I don't know. Hunter Henry to me could be and will and could very well be the best tight in this game once he gets gets going after his injury. Yeah, if he gets healthy. Um, I I think this is too soon for him to make a giant impact. Yeah, I hope I'm I'm right on that. <laughs> hope I'm right and it's too you're, soon. You're hoping you're right. Um, so, and and last but not least, last around the league here. Um, so, we've talked about all the, the fired um, assistants. We know the the uh, the coaches that are safe right now. Uh, we know Ron Rivera, safe. We, we know Doug Marone from the, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We thought he was going to be cut canned. Apparently, he's safe. Uh, your boy, John Harbaugh, he's safe. So we know those guys are safe. Coaching candidates uh, moving forward. Uh, Bruce Arians, he he's right now talking with the Cleveland Browns for their head coaching position. Tampa Bay, we talked about that. Eric Bieniemy, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, he's been talking with the Jets, Cardinals, Buccaneers, and Dolphins uh, for potential head coaching positions. Uh, Dan Campbell, the Saints assistant head coach and tight end coach, he's been talking with the Browns, Packers, and Cardinals. Um, Matt Campbell from the Ohio State, or I'm sorry, the Iowa State head coach, Matt Campbell. Talking with the New York Jets, Matt uh, Eberfluss from the Colts. He's their defensive coordinator. Talking with the Browns, George Edwards, the Vikings' defensive coordinator, has been talking with the Buccaneers. That might not be good. Uh, Vic Fangio, the Bears' defensive coordinator, talking with the Broncos and the Dolphins. Brian Flores from the Patriots. He's their defensive coordinator. Talking with the Packers, Browns, Broncos, and Dolphins. He's a hot commodity. 
Um, Adam Gase, the former Dolphins coach, talking with the Cardinals. Hugh Jackson, the former Browns coach, is talking with the Bengals. Vance Joseph, the former Broncos coach, is talking with the Bengals as well. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury uh, from USC, the offensive coordinator, he's been linked to the Jets and Cardinals. Freddie Kitchens from the Browns interim offensive coordinator, he's been linked to the Browns, obviously. Uh, Dirk Cotter, the former Buccaneers coach, has been linked to the Falcons as their new offensive coordinator, possibly, so we could see that. That's kind of weird. Um, well, it's not, it is and it's not, because they had a good offense uh, passing the ball, even in spite of the, the Look, quarterback carousel. And they're looking for the Falcons, OC. Yep. Um, Matt LaFleur, Titans offensive coordinator, looking at the Packers. Bill Lazor, the Bengals offensive coordinator, looking at the Bengals. Um, the Mike McCarthy, the former Packers head coach, talking with the Jets and the Browns. Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator, talking with the Packers. Todd Monkett, the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, talking with the Jets. Mike, That could be good for the Jets. That could be good, yeah. Um, Mike Munchak, the Steelers offensive line coach, is talking with the Broncos, Packers, and Browns. Kind of weird. Uh, the Chuck Pagano, former Colts coach, talking with the Broncos. Um, Chris Richard, the fo uh, former Cowboys defensive backs coaching slash passing game coordinator, talking with the Jets and Dolphins. Darren Simmons, the Bengals special teams coordinator, talking with the Bengals. Nick Sirianni, the Colts offensive coordinator, talking with the Browns. Kevin Stefanski, the interim offensive coordinator, he's talking with the Vikings as to be their new offensive coordinator, and he's also talking with the Browns. Uh, Zach Taylor, the Rams QB's coach, is talking with the Cardinals, Bengals, and Broncos. And Greg Williams, the Browns interim head coach, is also talking with the Browns about hiring him on. I'm surprised not to not see uh, Marnie Morningwick on this list. Oh, my gosh. Really? I, I mean, you have all these defensive quarters being an interview. You're not going to interview the number one defense in the league? I, I think Marty Morningwig is not going to be on that because Marty Morningwig realized he is not a good head coach. And that very well could be. I mean, think about it. Think about what went on in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, that was a shit <clears throat> Yeah, and then tell me that that guy will make a good head coach. Absolutely not. Um, so with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and take another break here, and then we're going to come back for uh, some Tyler's Top Ten. We're going to talk about the NFL draft. we got spots 1 through 20 set in stone. So we do have that. And uh, guess what, Tyler? I've got my 1 through 20 big board pre-free agency. Oh, boy. I, I made that. Oh, yeah. We're going to go over that a little bit and, and uh, talk about that. We're going to go into Tyler's Top Ten and uh, Freytown's Forgetful Five. We're going to have some fun, and uh, we're going we're gonna to do this thing, man. We're, when we're, we're, almost, we're almost done with third, segment number three of episode 25. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Moving fast. Yeah, we're, we're getting it moving. And what were you about to say? I'll wait. Oh, Talk you'll wait. Me. You'll wait. Oh, now he's going to see he's, he's going to make me wait now. Ooh. So you're so mysterious, Tyler. Um, all right, well, we'll be back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's, or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with uh, Tenacious Tyler Dean. Tyler Dean, welcome, welcome back. I'm glad we have some consistency in these names. Tenacious, now. tenacious, titillating. Those are my favorites. I think it works. Whatever, whatever, whatever. You do you. <sighs> the torrid Tyler Dean. <laughs> um, no, we're we're uh, back. I mean, episode twenty-five. Um, tearing it up here on the Outside Blitz. Um, Tyler, one through twenty is set in stone for the NFL draft. How excited are we? Till the Browns change it. Yeah, yeah, it could very well happen. Happens every year. Now, um we're we're in a good uh we we know who 1 through 20 is going to be and we we know that. Um and uh I got to tell you, I'm pretty stoked. NFL the NFL draft is always one of my favorite days of the year. I mean, it it, it is. Um and I I like to think it's one of yours as well. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't sound sure. Free agency is a bigger day for me. Why? Because yeah, everything gets chicken up and it's fun. Everything gets chicken up, but but we get to have some fun with it. Um, and uh, here we are. NFL uh, NFL draft order number 1 through 20 is set in stone. Uh, it's not going to change. Um, the only stuff that's going to change now are 21 through 32. Uh, we got 12 teams left to, to pick their stuff. But I did take the liberty of going through and doing my big board for 1 through 20. Now, as you know, every year I do my my NFL big board 1 through 32. I do it every year, and I usually do it the day before the draft. I'll, I'll set it all up, and I'll post it the night before the draft, so it's very last minute, so people can see, and, and so I'm getting the, the latest news. Now, last year, I posted it the day before the draft, and I was still early because as soon as I posted it, it was the rumors started swirling that the Browns were going to take Baker Mayfield number one. Um, I mean, literally, I had just, I mean, usually, I mean, I'm up late doing this thing. I'm up until like three, four in the morning knocking this thing out and doing what I got to do. Last year, I posted it less than 24 hours. I mean, we're talking, I mean, 18 hours before the draft. Ten hours later, I'm getting a call saying Baker Mayfield's probably going to go number one. And I was furious. Um, <laughs> But I, it screwed up my whole draft board. My whole draft was, was turned into a bust just based on Cleveland. And every year, every year, the Cleveland Browns screw up my draft, my, my big board. Every year. It'll happen again. I, I hope not because I'm starting to hate Cleveland for that. I love the Cleveland Browns. They're one of my top five favorite teams. But, my God, quit screwing up my draft. Now, um, so I, but I took the liberty of doing the pre-free agency draft big board for the one through 20. And the reason I, I mean, I'm calling it the pre-free agency because obviously a lot of team needs do change in free agency. Um, this year, I believe it might be on March 7th. Um, a lot of team needs do change on free agency, but before that, uh, these teams do have, uh, significant needs. Uh, and, and so I went about, uh, creating my big board, Tyler. And and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and, and the team needs and, and what I think could happen or should happen moving into the draft. Now, um, so first and foremost, we got to talk about draft order. The draft order goes Arizona, San Francisco, the New York Jets, Oakland Raiders, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five, Giants at six, Jags at seven, the Lions at eight, nine is the Buffalo Bills, 10 the Denver Broncos, the Bengals at 11. Green Bay at 12, Miami at 13, Atlanta at 14, Washington at 15, Car- the Panthers have 16, the Browns have 17, the Vikings have 18, the Titans have 19, and the Steelers have number 20. Um, all those teams 
mathematically obviously eliminated from the playoffs. Now, um, starting with number one, the number one overall pick is the Arizona Cardinals. Now, here's the, I think number one, everybody knows Nick Bosa is probably going number one. I think he's the best player in the draft. I think he's probably going number one. Um, same time, if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, do I need Nick Bosa? And I don't think they do. Do you? I think everyone could use Nick Bosa. Anybody could use a Nick Bosa. I'm not saying that's not the question. I think any team could use a Nick Bosa. But if I'm the Arizona Cardinals and I'm sitting at number one and I need I need offensive line help, I mean, am I, and, and my defense, I mean, their defense wasn't the best, but at the same time, was their defense one of those defenses that, that needed a defensive end? If you can trade down with Oakland and get two first-rounders, would you take it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting at here. I think I think Arizona has other team needs outside of just a defensive end. Um, if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, if I'm picking here, I'm taking Nick Bosa. 100%. That, that's what I'm doing. If I'm if I'm at the number one position, I'm trading down. Um, there's a possibility for offensive tackles in this draft. Uh, the best offensive tackle in the draft is Jonah Williams. To me, Jonah Williams would be the guy that they would want to get a hold of. I mean, that's the guy. If if I'm if I'm them, I'm looking at. Uh, but right now, I mean, as it stands right now with Arizona sitting at number one, they could trade down, but I think they're going to wind up with Nick Bosa. Uh, number two, we got the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this is a team that could use Bosa, yeah, that, that needs a Nick Bosa. Um, they could also trade down. They also need a safety in Deontay Thompson. Um, you know, I, to me, I, honestly, and, and it's kind of a reach, but their biggest need over there, even though they do have Richard Sherman hanging around, Sherman's gone after next year, they're going to need to get a number one corner over there. And I think Greedy Williams is going to be the guy if they stick around at that number two spot. But I could see San Francisco trading up for Nick Bosa or even trading down for Deontay Thompson as a safety. But Greedy Williams, the cornerback, I, I think they need a corner. And that's the guy I think they're going to go with is Greedy. I, I think he's he's just too damn good to pick up. Um, the potential of them going uh, of Greedy Williams falling could be pretty high. Uh, if they do go after Deontay Thompson at this pick, I, you know, it it could happen. So um, that is a possibility. Now the New York Jets, number three. Now the Jets, they could trade down and take a linebacker. They need a linebacker. Um, their their biggest need over there is an offensive tackle. Um, Jonah Williams is the best offensive tackle in the draft. They could take off the you know Jonah Williams. And that's why I think it would be safe for Arizona to trade down with a team like San Francisco and allow them to take Nick Bosa so they could get Jonah Williams at number two and possibly have, I mean, we're deep in the second round here. I don't know if you've noticed the, the talent that's in the second round. There's a ton of talent in the second round. And uh, Jonah Williams could be a guy that they, they go after. Um, now, the Oakland Raiders are at number four. A pass rusher. <laughs> if I need a pass rusher, and that's exactly what I think they're going to get. Number four, I think Oakland's going to go after Josh Allen, the outside linebacker from Kentucky. Um, he is uh, just, I mean, he's he's a great edge rusher. He's great I think in, it's. I think you can almost flip a coin going between Josh Allen and Devin White. I think they could go either one. It, it could go either one. I, I think you like Josh Allen because he's an outside linebacker. He's an edge rusher already. So I think you could use him. I mean, Devin White is very, very, very good. And either way, you're going to get a guy that, that's going to change the game. Um, I, I think Josh Allen not only is going to get the the call-up because of experience, but I think Josh Allen's also going to get the call-up um, because of the the uh, 
the fact that he's an edge guy already is already outside. So I, I think that's that's what they're kind of looking at. Um, the first quarterback off the board, I think, is going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're going to go after Dwayne Haskins. I think they're done with Jameis Winston. I think they're done with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think they're done. And and that's what it's going to be. Um, the, I disagree. Really? They have one of the best offenses in the league this year. I think they're done. I think they go. I think they go defense. Really? Who do you think they're going to go after? Whoever doesn't go between uh, uh, Allen and White. Do you really think they're going to go linebacker? I mean, it's not even a need. I need either that or go de- or defensive tackle, maybe. But I, I don't think they're going to go quarterback. I, I, I think they're going to trust James Winston because he had himself a bounce back year, kind of. I mean, I guess. I, I guess he, he did. Now, the Giants, here's an interesting one. The New York Giants, they could also be in the market for Greedy Williams. Um, there's other guys, DeAndre Baker, that I I, I, I know I have a Greedy Williams going earlier. Um, to the San Francisco 49ers. I, I think they take them at two if, if they're there, but I don't know what the Niners are going to do. That's the thing. I don't know what the Niners are going to do. As it stands, I have them taking greedy. I marked them down for the New York Giants. They could go after Drew Locke as well. That is a possibility. I think six. this is where your first quarterback goes. You think it's going to be Haskins or Locke? That's the question of the day. Now, Locke. now Haskins has been ranked higher than Drew Locke at this Haskins point in time. Sucks. Haskins has been the only quarterback that's been that is projected to go first round right now. He's ranked, I think, the number 18 prospect of them all. So, I mean, Haskins is up there. And I think a lot of that had to do with the game against Michigan and, and what he did, you know, against U of M. Um, I think Haskins is overrated. I do, too. I think he's very overrated, but maybe that's just me. Uh, but we said the same thing about Baker Mayfield last year, and guess what happened? You know, we, we kind of got shafted on that one. Yeah. Now, Drew Locke, I think, is the better quarterback. He's projected to go number 33 overall. First pick of the second round. Now, I think Drew Locke goes much, much earlier than what they're they're giving him credit for. Drew Locke, uh, he could go earlier. Um, right now, I think the Giants could. And the Giants could trade down. Um, they do need an offensive tackle. They need some protection for the quarterback. There's no way they're not taking a quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, a lot of team people are saying that. They could trade down and get a, get after Greg Little a little bit. So uh, the Giants, I mean, according to my big board, are kind of up in the air right now. I'm, I'm not sure what the hell they're going to do. But if they don't do that, I think they're going to slide down to Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's going to take Drew Locke as their quarterback. Yep, Jacksonville needs yeah. a quarterback. Jacksonville needs a quarterback. Now, number eight, um, the Detroit Football Lions. We're, we're talking now, they could take Devin White if Devin White's available. And I think Devin White could fall this far to number eight. He's ranked the number six prospect in the draft, right? Uh, he could drop this far. Um, and and really, they, they, don't need, they don't really need a defensive tackle. I mean, they, their defensive tackles have been pretty good. Um, they're more so in the market for a defensive end. Was Igianza going out the door? Linebacker's the bigger need. I, I think so. Um, most most people are saying that their their biggest needs are on defensive line and at corner. No, that's that's what their their biggest needs are laid out as. Now defensive end and corner. And and to me, I, I mean I agree with you. I think they need a linebacker. I think their linebackers are trash. But you know, at the same time, you, you have no pass rush with uh, uh, Zeke Alonso going out. You know, you have no pass rush there. Um, I think Cleland Farrell is, is the the best pass rushing op- option that you're going to have to take the place of Zeke Alonso. Cleland Farrell, he's, um, and it's not a reach. You know, he's the, the ninth ranked guy, and, and you wind up snagging him at number eight. So, I mean, it's, it's a good selection. 
they, they get a good uh, uh, value pick here. Um, sitting at number eight, they wind up getting the number best, the number nine prospect. They get a good pass rusher. They take the spot of Ezekiel Ansa. It's smart. It's a smart move. Um, and there, this draft is also very deep at corner. Um, you're going to get a lot of corners going in the second round, a lot of very good corners at that. So it's a possibility. Now, number nine is the Buffalo Bills. I have the Buffalo Bills taking Quinn and Williams. Quinn and Williams is ranked to the number two prospect in this draft. And the weird thing was, is like, as you're looking down number one through 10, in terms of the talent um, in this draft, you, you know, he's, he's top notch. The problem is that when it comes to defensive tackles, they're not needed in one through 10. Most of these teams need defensive players at linebacker or edge rusher, but you don't need defensive tackles in the first top, in the top 10 until you get near, you know, the the uh, Buffalo Bills and Denver Broncos range at 9 to 10 mark, and then the defensive tackles start going off the board. But what's crazy about it is that the top two, or the top three prospects in the draft go defensive end, defensive tackle, defensive tackle. It's wild. Almost, almost half the top 20 defensive tackles. Yeah, so you have to, those defensive tackles that are sitting at the very top, they're going to fall, and you're going to see teams start to, possibly reach on certain players but then it kind of it, it kind of uh, uh remedies itself um because if you look at it buffalo bills i've got them taking quinn and williams a defensive tackle out of alabama they could trade down for a wide receiver they do need a wide receiver in this draft and wide receivers are going later in the first round the big name ones um and then number 10 i've got the denver broncos taking ed oliver who's the number three prospect he's the the second best defensive tackle in this draft personally i think Ed Oliver is the best defensive tackle in this draft, but people are talking about Quinn and Williams too much to not go after him. The Denver Broncos need a defensive tackle. He's from Houston. Um, they could trade down for an offensive tackle. They do need some offensive line help. Um, Jonah Williams will have already been off the board. Next one would be Greg Little out of Ole Miss. Um, but realistically, Ed Oliver, um, I think he'll be going to the Denver Broncos. And then number 11, your boy Devin White. I think he falls to Cincinnati at number 11. Um, there's just not a big enough need for linebacker at that point in time outside of Detroit. I agree. Yeah. And uh, he, he'll wind up going. He's from LSU. Uh, I think he'll wind up going to the Bengals. They need inside linebacker help. Vontaze Burfitt kind of suffered a little bit. Um, number 13, or I'm sorry, number 12, the Green Bay Packers. I think they're going to take Deontay Thompson out of the free safety out of Alabama. I was going to say um, safety, maybe corner, but yeah. safety. They need secondary help. Um, Thompson is the the one of the top defensive backs in this league. Uh, I think he's just behind Greedy Williams. He's the, the number 10 uh, prospect in the draft. Um, just a great, very, very talented safety. They let HaHa Clinton Dix go out the door. They replace him with Thompson. So that would be a smart move. So it's not a reach by the Packers at all. It's just a good pick. Um, the Dolphins will take Jeffrey Simmons, I think. I mean, they need a defensive tackle. They lost Ndamukong Sue, who really didn't do much for him. They need a playmaking defensive tackle. They need a good run stopper, a space eater. Jeffrey Simmons is that guy. Um, he's ranked real high, too. I mean, he's he's one of the highest ranked defensive tackles. He's a top 10 guy. And then they're going to, he's the, the seventh ranked defense, uh, player in the entire draft, and they're going to go ahead and wind up swiping him uh, at number 13. So there's that. Number 14, I think there's going to be another defensive tackle going off the board, and that guy's Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary is the 12th ranked prospect, University of Michigan. We know Rashawn Gary. He just uh, declared not too long ago. Um, people were unsure whether or not he was going to declare. He declares. Uh, he doesn't play in his bowl game. 
But I, I believe that he's going to wind up going to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Falcons need defensive help. They definitely do. And and I think that he'll be he'll be the kind of guy that they're they're going to want. Uh, number fifteen, the Redskins secondary was suffering. Uh, the Washington Redskins. I think they go with Deontay ba- or DeAndre Baker here, the corner out of uh, Georgia. Um, he's the second best corner in the in the entire draft. Uh, number eleventh prospect in, in the entire thing. To me, I, I think that's it's not a reach. They get a secondary upgrade, right? I mean, if they do in fact trade for Joe Flacco. I could see them doing a small trade down and taking a uh, AJ Brown. <clears throat> they could, they could take a Brown. Um, they do need a, re- a receiver. They didn't, they've needed receiver help for a couple years now, and so it Daxton could... and uh, um, uh, Crowder are, just aren't cutting as, as no is top tier number one talent. No, and and you could see them getting a receiver. I could see a trade down. I agree with you. If if they do do something like that, we're, they're going to be in good shape. And and not that grabbing just straight up drafting AJ Brown at, at um. 16 or 15? 15? 15. Not that it's the big, it's not the biggest reach in the world either. Probably not the, it wouldn't even be the biggest that you've listed already. So no. it's not, it wouldn't be crazy just to draft them straight up there either. Weirdly enough, a lot of the players that I've listed at this juncture in time haven't really been reaches. It, it's been, it, because the defenses stack this, this whole first round. I mean, if you look at it, you're, you, you've got, I mean, number one, I mean, look at the top 32 selections. Bosa, defense. Quinnen Williams, defense. Ed Oliver, defense. Greedy Williams, defense. It, it's stacked defense, even more stacked defensive tackles. So it, it opens it. If you need a different position, you're going to have to, from in certain people's eyes, reach or trade yeah, down. The, the first offensive player to go off the board is Jonah Williams at number eight, an offensive tackle. And then you go defense, 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 and then Greg Little at number 17, offense. And then Dwayne Haskins. So right now we're at pick number 18, and we've seen three offensive players go off the board. Then you got defense, 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 and then you got two more. So now you're up to five out of 24 are, def- are offensive players. And then you got defense. Noah Fant is at 26, so there's six out of 26, uh, seven out of 28, so a quarter. I mean, really, it's it's craziness. And you got Marquise Brown and Keel Harry uh, going off the board. Um, so it, you you got what eight out of thirty-two offensive player offensive players, and then after that, they're all defense. And and really, the the even more pressing thing about this is think about um, how many players are going in this top thirty-two. Imagine think about how many of them are front seven. Think about well, that. Defensive tackle alone, there are 10 defensive tackles in the top 27. Expected yep. to go. 10 defensive tackles. And you got five defensive ends. You got two inside linebackers. I mean, like, it's it's wild. You, these are a lot of these are defensive linemen in front seven. But at the same time, these are all elite talent type of players. And and what's funny to me is that to me, I think Drew Locke could very well be an elite type of player. And Drew Locke is going 33. Jawan Taylor is a great offensive tackle for the for for University of Florida, and he's going thirty five. You have this is a stacked draft right here. It's stacked with with just boatloads of talent. And if you need offensive talent, look in the second round because the second round you've got Mark. You know, starting with Drew Locke, you've got quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, running back, running back. I mean, the 
the first five picks in the second round are, are offensive guys. Uh, you got Chris Boyd, Daniel Jones. Uh, you got Dalton Risner as at offensive tackle. You've got, I mean, Justice Hill at running back. I mean, you got a ton of players. Uh, Albert Akwegabunam, I, I can't pronounce his name. Tight end. Uh, he's out of Missouri. He's set to go in the second round. You got a lot of lot of offensive players going in the second round, so you don't have to really go after anything. You should just focus purely almost on defense, unless you're set on defense. Um, <clears throat> but anyhow, moving forward, I, I've got I've got a, a couple more here. Um, so we talked about about Green Bay. We talked about Carolina. We're talking about Carolina here now. Greg Little, the offensive tackle from Ole Miss, um, they need offensive line help. I mean, they do need a receiver. Uh, I don't think DJ Moore is the answer. Devin Funches is going out the door at the end of the year. Carolina could trade down for a receiver. Same time, they got the offensive tackle from Ole Miss. I think if he's there, they need to snag him. They definitely need offensive line help. Um, the the Matt Khalil signing has has just been a, a mess. That's a dumpster fire. Um, they need to do something. Um, number seventeen, the Cleveland Browns. You know, weirdly enough, as good as they were, their defense wasn't good. I mean, and even though their their defensive coordinator became became the head coach, the defense wasn't good. Um, something that they needed is a run stopper, Dexter Lawrence. I think the defensive tackle out of Clemson is the guy. Um, I think that's something that's just a, a surefire pick. They, that was our biggest team need, defensive tackle. I think they could use one. Um, the Minnesota Vikings have pick number eighteen. Now this pick could go either way. They need a defensive tackle with Sheldon Richardson going out the door. They need an outside linebacker with Anthony Barr going out the door. Uh, two elite players. They need a first-round talent in either one of those spots. Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle from Clemson, is available. I think at this point in time, I think Montez Sweat is going to wind up being available at this point in the draft. Um, now, Sweat is out of Mississippi State. Um yeah, I, I personally, I, I would prefer to have Montez Sweat, to be honest. I, I think I would rather have him, but I like him at defensive tackle. I like defensive tackle as well, um, getting uh, Christian Wilkins. I wouldn't rule out um, trading down to Juwan Taylor as well. Really? They, well, they need the offensive help, well, offensive line help. They do need the offensive line help, and, and the only the thing about it is, is Juwan Taylor is an offensive tackle. Um, you signed Riley Reef to the long-term deal. I think he's going to wind up automatically locking down one of those offensive tackle positions. He's He's got, I think, four he, years left on his well, deal. He doesn't necessarily got to play tackle. You can shift him around, too. Teams do all the time. And, and the other the other thing I, I have is is on the other side at tackle, you got Brian O'Neill, who's going to be there. Now, at guard, they definitely need help. Jawan Taylor, if he can play guard, great. If, if he can play guard, I'd be thrilled. Otherwise, and everybody seems to be talking about Chris Lindstrom being the best guard. In I, the think game. Ja, yeah, I think Jawan Taylor is a better player than Lindstrom, and you move him to guard, I, I, I still think he plays better. Yeah, and it, it's a possibility. You said now, playing um, offensive tackle, being moved to offensive guard, doesn't always translate. We're seeing that in the case of uh, Mike Remmers right now. They, they moved him from tackle to guard, and he's been, you know, he was good at guard last year, but not so much this year. So you you are seeing that a little bit. Um, to me, I I don't I, I don't know if you're going to want to move him to guard. Personally, I'd rather have Lindstrom um, at guard, and I think they can get away with it. And the only other problem is is they're going to have to trade up to get him to get Jawan Taylor, and I don't know that they're going to do that. Now, say from a hypothetical state, here's and here's kind of what I'm looking at from a hypothetical standpoint. If they do take the defensive tackle, which which that's what I think they're going to lean towards. Um, there's one player that I think they could go after, and, and that would be Devin Bush. 
uh, sitting there playing the outside linebacker situation. He's a little earlier in the second round, but it would cost him a lot less to move up. Um, and I think they could get away with it. So that that is something that, that they could look into. Um, the only other one is uh, O'Shane, and, and I don't I don't believe in O'Shane Zimenez. So uh, and he's from Old Dominion. I don't I don't think he's anything spectacular to be honest with you. And he's definitely you know as much as I crap on Anthony Anthony Barr, he still is no Anthony Barr because he's going to rack up a handful of sacks. Devin Bush is good for racking up sacks. And he's good for rushing the passer. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. Um, number 19, Tennessee Titans, Byron Murphy, uh, the corner out of Washington. I think Byron Murphy is fantastic. He's a third third ranked corner in the draft. Um, overall, I got to see where he's set to go here. Uh, he's set to go number 20. They'd be they'd be reaching a little bit on him. Um, it'd be really reaching one selection, so it's not that big of a reach. But they still get a good corner out of the deal. Um, that's where they struggle the most. And the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 20, they need a linebacker. Uh, Ryan Shazier going out. He's he's kind of done. They were hoping he was going to be back. I, they, they weren't expecting any of this. To me, Montez Sweat, uh, outside linebacker out of Mississippi State, I think they want, they'll wind up taking him. And uh, especially if the Vikings don't take Montez Sweat, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to get Montez Sweat. Unless the freak accident happens and Antonio Brown goes out the door, and they take Metcalf. Yeah, they could. DK Metcalf is um he's a great player. Uh DK Metcalf is uh and and it could be Metcalf. The only other guy I could see them taking is AJ Brown. Um well, but but my world AJ Brown's off the board. Oh yeah. Yep. Otherwise, in, otherwise in I agree. Otherwise I agree. <laughs> in your world, AJ Brown's up. Metcalf is um he's a damn good receiver. Uh, a lot of places have Metcalf slated going second round. I think I think Metcalf goes first round. But a lot of people say Metcalf is going second round. A lot of people are saying Noah Fant's going first round. I think Noah Fant winds up going second round at this point. Um, I think I think Irv Smith is actually better than a guy like Noah Fant right now. Noah Fant sent us to go 26 overall. I think Irv Smith, Irv Smith is way better, but I guess that's just me. Um, but uh, that's my 1 through 20 on the big board. And um, thoughts? Thoughts? Anything? Uh, a good part of them I agree with, and there's some I felt a little bit differently on. But Such as? Well, I mentioned it. Oh, you mentioned okay. As we're going along, the Giants taking okay. a quarterback and talk about AJ Brown. I got I got both the uh, receivers possibly going in the top twenty there, pending Antonio Brown. But I don't think Antonio Brown going anywhere with the with yeah the with the cap hit. I don't think he's going no. anywhere. So so that is my my one through twenty big board. Now Tyler, we we're in playoff time though. Now that we're we're um, getting through that one through twenty, we're in playoff time. Uh, we have to talk about. Uh, some of the stuff that's getting ready to go on in the playoffs here. Um, I'm ready for this little segment. Are you ready for this little segment, Tyler? What are we doing? <sighs> well, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time for Tyler's Top Ten. Tyler's Top Ten. Oh, we, we were talking about it, and he's going to do something else. Oh, no, no. We're going into that. Come on uh, So what I was going to say earlier before we get the break is – I'm not doing top 10 week 17. Mm. Because, I think, you know what, it's playoff time. We want to talk about playoffs. Yeah, we're talking playoffs. And it was mostly to protect Josh Rosen from yet another potential entrance uh, into the get for five. Boo. Yeah, poor, poor kid. Yeah. It's a so instead, what we're going to do. So sorry you can't get your forgetful five. And forgetful five, that's okay. But I know what's going to happen anyway, so pay attention. Yep. This time we're going to do Tyler's top 10. Um, impactful players for the playoffs. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a very good one. 
You're getting on your list here. Got it all ready to go. Oh boy. Number ten, Khalil Mack. I agree with you. Um, <laughs> as soon as he made it to the Bears, in 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 instant success. One interception, six forced fumbles, forty-seven tackles, and twelve and a half sacks. Yes. He's gonna be. He's a big part of why this Bears team is is fortunate the way it is. He's gonna continue to be a big part of it, and the reason why they're gonna beat Superman this weekend. Yeah. Um. Now Khalil Mack is. Uh, you know, as soon as he got to the Bears, so week one, as soon as he got there, he was a he was a beast. Um, and I, I I was watching just watching Aaron Rodgers get flustered. I was watching the that uh, uh, Packers offensive line get flustered. It, it was interesting to see. Um, he just, I mean, it was immediate. He has one job, literally one job. The man doesn't drop into coverage. The the man just it's rush quarterback hit him, and that's what I want you to do. He's basically an edge rusher at this point. That comes from any direction at any time. He closes gaps. I like Khalil Mack. I like this pick. I agree with you. He's going to be a huge impact moving into the playoffs. Number nine, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Big, big, big part of this Kansas City offense. I mean, having a guy who can uh, throw the ball when he's not looking at you. And, and, oh, my gosh. And That's a good combination between him and his quarterback. Tyreek Hill is a big part of the Chiefs offense. He's going to be a big part of this playoff. Tyreek Hill is the kind of guy that, that makes plays with his legs. Um, I mean, he'll catch a ball and, and just kind of take it to the house. A lot of rack yards there to be had. Yeah, he's got, he's got 14... 1,479 yards in the year, 12 touchdowns, and another 151 on, on the ground with a touchdown as well. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, um, just beast mode all around. Um, man, uh, he, he's honestly the biggest playmaker on that offense right now. He could be the biggest playmaker in in football right now. He could be. I mean, he's... The, I mean, it's four, a, 1,400, um, just about 1,500 yards, that's nothing, that's nothing to shake at. Greasy, fast speed. Oh yeah, greasy fast speed. I I mean, you you can't uh, um, you can't hold a candle. The guy he's incredible. I I like Tyreek Hill. I agree with you. This he's going to be a huge. If he gets the opportunity to bust loose, he's going to bust loose, and you're going to see uh, uh, some huge, huge and very fun plays. They're fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to watch everybody try and tackle him. The little speedster. He's like it's like he puts silicone all over himself, like the 49ers from yesteryear. But yeah, I, I agree with you. This is going to be huge. Just all the speed. I, um, I, I feel like you could uh, put Ty, Tyreek Hill and uh, Lamar Jackson versus eleven others. Just those two, and, and, they, and they could they could mind a miracle into a touchdown. Oh yeah, no <laughs> it's, doubt. It's, it's crazy no doubt. speed. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Number eight, Aaron Donald. Sixteen games played, uh, four forced fumbles, fifty nine tackles, twenty and a half sacks. <clears throat> He's the, the the dude can't you, you can't single block him on a. Very, very crappy um, Rams defense. He is the shining spot on that Rams defense. Um, I, I love this this pick. I, I think he's he's probably you say he's going to be one. Of, he's going to be the greatest defensive player to ever play. I don't think that. I think he's probably one of the. He's gonna he's gonna be one of the best though. Um, nobody can stop the man. And he's still young. He's got a lot of tread on the tires. He's a big boy. He's a space eater. He knows how to make tackles against the run. He knows how to harass quarterback. And you don't normally see sacks out of a defensive tackle. No. You see sacks out of defensive ends and linebackers. Defensive tackles are supposed to be space eaters. The but last they time they eat up the tackle, the, the blocks, so the line, so the edge rushers can get in. Right. The last time we saw a defensive tackle this good was the Detroit Lions when they had Indomitian Sue, and and Sue with the Lions used to hit 
quarterbacks all the time. Now, granted, Sue used to get penalized because he would rough the passer, but Sue used to get a lot of sacks. So, like, like the last in recent history, like um, you're talking Sap. Yeah, Warren um, Sap, Nada, so, mm-hmm. among others. I mean, it's not very often you get. There's normally one or two great um, defensive tackles every year. Yep, and and uh, Donald's just is starting to just blow those numbers away. Yeah, and, and he's something special, and he's doing all of this in a three-four defense on top of it. So you got three big men up front that are that are rushing five big men, and and he's still getting it done. So I mean, great job by him. That's something special. Number seven, Alvin Kamara. Played 15 games, sat out this past week, uh, 883 yards on the ground and 14 touchdowns, and 709 through the air and four touchdowns. Did have a fumble, though. 1,500 yards from scrimmage. Yes. That's wild, and he's not even the number one back over there. I can only imagine what's going to happen when he's the number one back. When Ingram was out the door this year? Yeah. Drew Brees loves going to him. Um, Kamara is, is fun to watch. He's not a big dude. But he's speedy as all get out. Um, teams have a hard time tackling him. He's elusive. Uh, he's he's fast. Uh, he's a playmaker. He changes games. He makes makes teams change their coverage. He makes teams change what they're doing just to stop him from making plays out of the backfield, catching out of the backfield. It's kind of cool to watch him, it, and it and it changes the Saints' defense and has morphed them into something really, really incredible. Number six, Andrew Luck. 4,593 yards of the air, 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. But he does have a fumbling problem, six fumbles. Six fumbles, but, you know, there's I've seen worse. Now, Andrew Luck, um, we got to remember that that this offensive line, it's, it's still a work in progress. It's still a work in progress, but it's gotten tons better with the addition of Quentin, uh, Quentin Nelson. Yep. I I mean, he was the best pick of the, one of the best picks of that draft uh, last year, and uh, he's helped Andrew Luck just stay clean in the pocket. It's been really nice to watch Andrew Luck finally get get you know time in the pocket to do what he does. He he's got Eric Ebron, a good safety valve to throw to now. He's got Marlon Mack opening things up with the run. It's been cool to watch, and Andrew Luck has been I mean, arguably the hottest quarterback going into the playoffs. Um, great arm, and and now that he's healthy. Because he hasn't been healthy for basically two seasons. Um, now that Andrew Luck is healthy, this team is looking really fun um, and looking like they can make a run at it. Oh, for sure. Number five, Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke. 1,434 yards, six touchdowns through, on the ground. Another 567 on the gr- through the air with three touchdowns and six fumbles. Arguably the best runner in the game. He's over, he's over 1,900 yards scrimmage this year. Arguably the best runner in the game. Um, he's, he's big, he's fast, he's got strong legs, he makes plays in the trenches, he makes plays on the edge, he, he's everywhere, he is what the Dallas Cowboys offense runs through, and if they're going to have a chance to win a playoff game here and go somewhere, they got to get that man the football. So what's your big four, and I'll, you're probably talking Elliott, a guy I'm going to mention in a, little, in a little bit, and then, uh, Barkley and, uh, Christian McCaffrey? Probably, yeah. I well, mean, and, uh, Camaro? At the top five, <clears throat> I, yeah, I think Kamara's pretty damn good. Um, th- see, here's my thing. You've got, uh, uh, I think Elliot is. I would actually argue probably at this point that I, Elliot's probably top two in the league. I think Elliot's that good. I'd agree. And, and I, I think, think I think your top four is so close because you got Elliot and Gurley and mm-hmm. Barkley, who's in the world of his own as well, and 
McCaffrey's numbers are through the roof, too. He's, he's probably the most as a, person on my top ten. As a change of pace back, yes. Um, I think as a change of pace back, he's he's something really special. Oh, as far as pure run back, it, it's a two-man race. Yeah, it's, it, that's the thing. I, I think, you know, you've got... I I think a guy, even though he's been hurt, if he ha- if he wasn't hurt, we'd be seeing a lot more from him. Would be James Conner. Uh, I think David Johnson. They have no O line there. I think that really negatively affected him, and he still managed to put 940 yards this year, having no O line over there in in Arizona. It affected the passing game. It affected affected the running game. They just need an offensive line. I think you know if he were if he were to be getting the ball a lot more, I think you'd be talking a lot more about Dalvin Cook. You'd be talking a lot more about uh, Jordan Howard. Cook's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay healthy too, and that's another big issue. Um, Melvin Gordon, I think, if, would if, be up there. I mean, he has been hurt this year, so that, that that's kind of hurt him. But he he was blowing up earlier this season. Yep, yeah, I think you'd be talking about Melvin Gordon recently. I mean, we've been talking Derrick Henry a little bit. Uh, Chris Carson has been surprisingly good. I want to see if he can consistently do it. Uh, Joe Mixon too. We haven't really talked much Phillip about him. Lindsay. Philip Lindsay has been something special over there in Denver. So there's, I mean, there are a lot of runners that that we could see oh, hitting Sony those. Michael. Yeah, Sony Michael kind of blew up recently. I mean, we could see some runners that that are going to wind up in that that top five talk. I think right now it, it's definitely a two, maybe three man race. You're talking Elliott. You're talking Barkley. You're talking Gurley. Um, but the Dallas offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott. I think we know that. I think Dak Prescott, if without Elliott, isn't going to be able to throw the ball all over the yard like we expect him to. Ezekiel Elliott is going to be a huge, huge impact. In fact, he is going to be probably the impact um, in in the uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys offense. Uh, I mean, other than you know a guy that I'm thinking might be on your list. Um. Cooper I, Cooper's not my list. Oh wow, wow! What am I just outside? There's a lot of players that are going to have big impacts, though. You got to admit that. Yes, yes, there are. And trying to trying to put together just ten on because you called it one of the one of the most talented playoffs we've come into. Yes, it and is. Picking ten players between twelve teams between twelve great teams. That's hard. It is. It's very hard. Number four. I mean, when you talk about impact, you can't talk about you can't not talk about the Ravens' defense. Yeah, I put the, I put them on here as, as a as a group because it's not it's not like a Mac or Donald which is one guy that's that's a big part. This is this is a collective unit, mm-hmm. and just some of these numbers here: um, nine forced fumbles, um, um, forty three sacks, um, averaging the least amount of yards per game at two hundred ninety two. Spent the shortest time in the field, causing the most uh, three and outs and uh, in time of possession, averaging one point six two points per drive, um, average of a two minutes and thirty six seconds. Per drive, they're 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 getting themselves off the field quick, and they're and they're they're knocking offenses on their on their asses. So when we were in Buffalo Wild Wings this weekend, I I walked into the restroom and I I, I happened to walk into a, a gaggle of Chiefs fans, and this gaggle of Chiefs fans were talking about you know the playoffs and who they don't want to see in the playoffs, and they were kind of taking a look at the the uh, uh, Ravens in Bal- or the Ravens in Cleveland game, and um. The exact words out of Chiefs fans. This is my this is Kansas City Chief fans. They said the last team that they want to run into in the playoffs is the Baltimore Ravens, especially because of their defense. And I believe that that is absolutely 110% correct. Uh, I, I look at them in a way where that defense is frightening the same way that the Minnesota Vikings defense is frightening. That's the one thing our teams have in common other than the color purple is there's damn good defense running around there. And uh, your boys, they're they're scary to the AFC teams because they don't know what they're going to do against this damn good number one ranked defense. I, I think you're talking about a defense that's um top ten of all time, maybe in, in top top five. 
Uh, I think they're they're um I mean, I don't know top 10 all time. I think they're very very good. I want to see what they do in the playoffs. If they if they don't do much in the playoffs, I mean, we might be able to say oh, maybe it was a flash in the pan. Um if they I mean, we got to see what they do first round especially. We're going to see if they shut down the Houston Texans. Yeah, there, I, there's a couple things they they need to sure up. Yeah. Um, cause we talked, um, um, they're not good at stopping the verts, which here's the, here's their one downfall. They only have 12 interceptions in the year. Wow. Not a lot of turnovers there. So it's, it, which is weird cause we, cause they do have a very deep corner class. So mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I there, there's something going on there. It's not like Ed Reed was on the field anymore. Ed Reed, your hero is not on the field anymore to read the quarterback's eyes and take the ball. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, that's what we see. That's and, what we saw out of Ed Reed for many years. Because I, I, I believe I truly believe that Marlon Humphrey is a top five cornerback in this game, but um I think Jimmy Smith is starting to slow down. That could be their weak spot. <clears throat> it could be. Despite and, he did have two interceptions in the Cleveland game, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Smith did, but Smith is getting older. He is getting and older. We talked about this earlier. I mean, when uh when Weddle goes, I can see Jimmy Smith transitioning to safety. And he he would be successful as a safety, he would just have to learn how to read the quarterback in the same way that Ed Reed does. And I think he has that ability. Is that ability? But can what can will ever, anyone ever be able to do it the same exact way? Uh, no. Maybe, maybe but, it'll it could happen eventually. Come on, I mean, about to be Hall of Famer, Ed Reed. Yeah, yeah. Um, number three, Drew Brees. I'm sad about this. I'm really, really sad. I'm surprised he's as low as he is. Um, because he's had the last game. Um, I I'd put the assume the MVP <clears throat> higher than him. Ah, okay. Um, Drew Brees. I'm, I'm going to talk as you can pull up the stats. I got a number of years in front of me. Drew Brees. And end of the year, he sat this last game with three thousand nine hundred ninety-two yards, thirty-two touchdowns, five interceptions, five fumbles. Mm-hmm. I'm sad about this because if he would have played, he's eight yards away. I wish he was just coming for one play. Because if you look at his um, con- how many consistent years did he have four thousand yards or more? Mm-hmm. Wow! Since two thousand six. Yep, two thousand six, four thousand yards or more, and then he's eight yards shy. Yep. Let him throw one goddamn pass. <laughs> that that is nothing short of remarkable. Yep, it, it's a, it's pretty incredible. Um, Drew Brees is an amazing quarterback, first battle Hall of Famer, and potentially Super Bowl MVP coming up because yeah. uh, they're gonna be hard to beat. There's there's not gonna be many teams that can that can handle the New Orleans Saints moving forward here. And the reason why Drew Brees, is, I didn't put Drew Brees higher. Mm-hmm. We're talking impactful players. To me, he's got two guys that he can rely on, being Kamara. Well, three: Kamara, Ingram, and Michael Thomas. Yep. So I put one and two as guys that carry their team on their backs. Yep. And Drew Brees. That's my number is one and two. Yeah. Drew Brees is my guy. Your number one and two are who? Number number two are are, are, are two guys are two guys that mm-hmm. they carry their team. But Drew Brees, that's the reason why I didn't put him two or one is because he does have Brees has a very very talented offense. Yeah. And but having having a guy like Drew Brees just makes those, that talented offense even more talented. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're the number one team in football mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Number two, Todd Gurley. <laughs> a guy, despite resting the last two games of the season, because he had that injury, Injuries, but, and, yeah. and they didn't, and he was playable. He was, but they chose to bench him. Like you know what, we're in the playoffs. We need you for the playoffs. Yeah. And but I truly believe Todd Gurley would have been the number one running back in the league if he played the last two games. Well, it's On possible. Two hundred yards away, mm-hmm. and he's been aver- He's been basically averaging uh, hundred yards a game. He had he had twenty. Um, one thousand two hundred and fifty-one yards on the ground. But here's the kicker: on top of Gurley, he had seventeen touchdowns on the ground versus Elliott six. Wow! And then he had another five hundred eighty yards through the air with four touchdowns. Jeez. So he's he's north. He's eighteen hundred yards from scrimmage. Yeah. Um, scrimmage. Elliott and Gurley are, or like I said, they're in a class of their own. Gurley, um, he he can 
him catching the ball, he, that's that's the one thing he has over Ezekiel Elliott. He's, he's better catching the ball out of the backfield, making plays out of the backfield with uh, through the air, as opposed to Elliott's ground-based, ground-and-pound, grind-it-out type of running attack. And and that, that's where they're, they're, they have these two contra- contrasting running back styles. But now, they can, had the same amount of receiving yards. Yeah, but can Gurley, can Gurley pound it up the middle? Absolutely, Gurley can. And Gurley is, is a... a uh, He's a fast runner. He's a bruiser, though. He can really, I mean, he can. He really can do it all. I think Elliott and him, they they had the same amount of receiving yards, but you got to. It's like you said, Gurley sat out two games. Elliott was, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I think, think it'd be a big difference there. We how many games have we seen Todd Gurley put up over a hundred yards receiving in the last season here? Yeah, I mean, we see I, it all the time. Um, or or sixty seventy five yards, sixty to seventy five yards receiving. I mean, we see it third and one. If I had to give my choice, I would say um, Elliot will probably get that um, stuck running up the middle. He'll probably get it one time more often than Gurley. Yeah, but Gurley is far more capable of busting a ninety-nine yard run yes. than, than Elliot is. Yeah, I think he's more explosive of a playmaker, but I still think Elliot is going to get you the yardage that you. Oh, hundred percent. And that's that's 100%. what he is. He's a grinding type of runner. Uh, that's what he's there for. And number one, going to be MVP of this season, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you can't put anybody but Patrick Mahomes here right now. Yep, 50, 50 touchdowns, 12, 12 interceptions. Did have nine fumbles, but that, that kind of comes to the territory sometimes. Because um, even even Drew Brees had five. The the, mm. the dude's going to be the MVP of the season. Patrick Mahomes has been nothing short of remarkable this season. It's like a rapid fire Nerf gun. I mean, that's just what the guy is. I mean, it's just passing, passing, passing all day long. Except yeah. except sometimes the Nerf gun can ain't can. Shoot sideways when you're when you're pointed this way yeah, and be accurate and and be accurate. I mean he's he's just amazing. I, I Patrick Mahomes has been incredible this year. He's put you're like you said he put his team on on his back and and uh, man the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't I I if you would have told me last year that Patrick Mahomes would be what he is right now, I told you you're crazy. Um, I mean it could be a one hit wonder. It could be this guy is the greatest quarterback in football and he's going to be that way for a long time. A uh, lot of questions there. I hope he's he just stays successful in Kansas City. I hope they 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 have to retain him. I hope they do. Um, and uh, man, Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he's he's going to be an impact player as long as um, as long as uh, his team keeps him in football games. As long as his defense keeps them in football games, he's going to keep slinging it, and I, I love it. And that's my ten. And your ten now. <sighs> Well, I know it's coming because, like I said, it's twelve teams, ten players. I had I had a hard time doing it. You had a hard time. My original doing it. my original yeah. list had a uh, like twenty five players on it. I had to now, down. now, um, well, it, it it's gonna be fun. But here we go. It is time for Freytown's Forgotten Fun. Freytown's Forgetful Five or Forgotten Five or whatever we're, we're doing. Five. We're back to Forgotten. See, it's like a habit now. It's horrible. Anyway, so Freytown's Forgotten Five. Um, so I, uh, I, I impact players. I, I think you left a, a few out that I can, I can uh, definitely, definitely uh, run with here. Um, so I've got an honorable mention first of all. Um, uh, that's fair with as many good players there are. So I do have an honorable mention. Um, I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. Um, Amari Cooper, I, I, I feel like we've gotten too small of a sample size out of the Dallas fiasco yet to say that he's going to be like a, um, an amazing breakout player in because the playoffs. what he's doing right now isn't anything he didn't do 
in his rookie season in Oakland. Yes, yes. Um, I think he's he's something spectacular. Uh, well, and here's the thing: in in Oakland, he didn't break a thousand yards. Um, he hasn't done it yet in Dallas. Well, he broke a thousand yards, I think, in his first season there in Oakland. But after that, it was nine hundred, eight hundred around that area. He just wasn't being used properly. He's now being used properly in Dallas, and I think that's really special. Um, he's an amazing player. He's got great hands. He's a guy that was uh, has been very underrated and very improperly used. Um, I can't wait to see Amari Cooper as a full-time Dallas Cowboy because you know that he's going to come out and he's going to he's going to be what Dak Prescott needed for the last 2 years uh with the Cowboys really making plays. 100%. So, I mean, he and and he could be a huge impact player. We saw what he did against the Eagles um with his last minute touchdown shenanigans. We saw him put up 200-yard performances. Uh the change of scenery is exactly what they needed and Jason Garrett knows how to get him the football. Dak Prescott knows how to get him the football. So, I'm I'm happy to see Amari Cooper being something special. Now, um, into the forgetful five here. Um, number five is going to go to Nick Foles. Um, Nick Foles, he's hurt. He's got a rib injury, but I got to tell you, and, and I've been saying it for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks, Superman has arrived. Um, we're going to see these guys running around with their stupid dog masks on. I hate the Philadelphia Eagles, but I got to face the facts. Nick Foles comes in and suddenly they start getting hot and winning football games at the end of the season. It's just... Uh, unbelievable Nick Foles is um beast mode here uh and and you know Nick Foles is going to come out and, and and be firing the ball all over the place I like Nick Foles um Eagles I mean do, so the big question for the Eagles is do you keep him at the end of the year if he takes him to the bowl or if he takes him deep in the playoffs even do you keep Nick Foles or if he goes somewhere else do you, does Nick Foles is Nick Foles going to be successful somewhere else I don't think he will. I don't think he will either. I don't think. I still don't think Nick Foles is that good. I think he's just getting hot right now. Yeah, I think he gets hot through through the five games he played this year: fourteen hundred yards, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. He's not throwing a lot of touchdowns. No, but they they have this trick play thing going on in in Philadelphia that worked weirdly well for him last year, and I think they're going to start pulling it again. The Philly special and all that jazz, which was actually an illegal play, but I guess that's neither here nor there. Um, it, it was a cool play to watch. I can't even be mad about it, but Nick Foles was was something incredible last year. He's a Super Bowl champion. Can't take that away from him. I mean, this could be fun. You could see Nick Foles getting crazy out there, so there's that. Um, number four, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Chris Carson. Um, uh, number five rusher in the league, uh, 1,151 yards. Uh, he, had, he had a, I mean, really good average. He's, he's averaging 82 yards a game. Uh, he got in the end zone nine times. Uh, Chris Carson, he's he's just like this unsung hero of this this Seattle Seahawks offense, and we keep seeing him week after week doing his job. Four point seven average. I like Chris Carson, and I think he could be something special. He had three fumbles this year, and that's it. I mean, what do you think? I I, 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 I like Chris Carson. I like Chris Carson, but I if I had to do an, an additional five after my ten, I think you're talking Gordon before Carson, in my opinion. Really? Melvin Gordon, before he got hurt, was a stud this year. Yeah, you just don't know how they're going to utilize Melvin Gordon, and and I'm hoping that he comes out rocking and rolling. I hope not. <laughs> uh, he had 885 yards. I mean, I, I hope he's ready to rock in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, there's Chris Carson has just been – he stepped up as the man in Seattle. 
and uh, they've needed him. He's, he's the, the guy they needed, just a real grinded-out kind of running back. He can still catch out of the backfield, which is good, but he really knows how to grind. you got to like Chris Carson, and I'm going to put him up there in, in the forgetful five. Um, number four, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Tariq Cohen. I'm not sure your obsession on him. He's a, he's a very good player. I agree. But his numbers, I mean, his, his scrimmage yards aren't up there with those top guys. Here's why I'm going to be big on Tariq Cohen. And, and Tariq Cohen is, is this weird entity. 444 yards on the ground, three touchdowns on the ground. 725 yards through the air. Um, he's a true change of pace kind oh, of guy. 100%. And, and when, you, when you, he reminds me so much. I remember uh, years ago when the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2009, we were talking about Reggie Bush. And Reggie Bush was the, next, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Everybody was talking about Reggie Bush this, Reggie Bush that. Reggie Bush's rushing numbers weren't that special. But one thing about Reggie Bush's numbers was, man, did he get a lot of yards and touchdowns and, and great plays out of the backfield. And it's not, you know, Cohen seems to come up in these weird situations with a pa- a reception out of the backfield and he takes it, you know, 50 yards down the field. And even on that, if it's that one lone play where he does something throughout the entire game, it's a game changer. The guy goes out there and makes that one big play and they have a weird uh, amount of trouble stopping Tariq Cohen coming out of the backfield and making catches out of the backfield. It's strange. Um... I, I like Tariq Cohen. I think he he changes this offense and makes it far more dynamic. Matt Nagy has has um, shown that he can utilize Tariq Cohen in positive ways. Though he's only had 99 attempts this year, he had 444 yards. That's a 4.5 average. I mean, that's that's, that's good. a good average. Uh, I like it. I like him. I think he's a playmaker. He's a speedster. I like him a lot, and and I think that the Bears utilizing him the way that they have. They've been very successful. His average, he's had 71 receptions this year for 725 yards. His average reception yardage is 10.2 yards. That's huge. That's a big number. I mean, the, the, he he's might averaging not, first downs. Yeah, he may not get the ball all the time, but when he does get the ball, he puts it in, in positive territory. you got to like what the guy's doing, and that's why I like Tariq Cohen. The times they do use him, might not be all the time. But the times they do use him, he makes big plays. And that's what you need out of a change of pace back like him. Same with the Reggie Bush. That's what you got out of Reggie Bush and the Saints. So that's why I like Tariq Cohen. And that's why I think he's going to be such a big uh, uh, game changer uh, moving forward. Now, um, number two is going to go to Phillip Rivers. Um, we have always said that Phillip Rivers is the most underrated quarterback Possibly ever. Possibly ever. Possibly ever. The man has had horrible teams that he's put on his back. He's had, and now he's got a great team around him. He's got a good defense. He's got good offensive linemen. Uh, he's got good wide receivers. Phillip Rivers has notoriously been one of my favorite quarterbacks um, just all throughout his career. Uh, 54,000 yards passing since 2004. I mean, wow. Just wow. This year he's got 4,308 yards. Um, his touchdown to passing ratio, or his touchdown to interception, 32 to 12. I mean, it's not the best, but he's got 105.5 rating, um, 68% completion percentage. I, I like Phillip Rivers. 
Oh, I love Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is like I agree. He's going to be. He's the the great the the most underrated quarterback of all time. Um, Philip Rivers is great. Um, as far as impact, I think uh, Ravens got him uh, questioning himself because he hasn't been good since that game. Yeah, he's um he's very good, and and I think I think he's going to take this week. He's going to going to re-energize, and he's going to come back swinging. He took on two pretty good defenses. I mean, he wasn't good against the Broncos, but he only put up 176. He had a touchdown, two picks. But let's face the fact, the Broncos' defense is still very good. Uh, the Ravens, yes. de- they're no Ravens' defense. We know that. But the Broncos' defense still is very, very good. So I, I also think that, that Rivers kind of slowed down knowing the playoffs are coming, knowing that, that they're basically locked in. Um, and he still picked up the W. I mean, it- I know Rivers was one of my last two cuts in my top ten. I, I didn't want to do it, but I was putting it in terms of uh, throughout playoff, like how long they're going to be in the playoffs. I also had a, had a play in things too. Yeah, and I had I, I obviously think the Ravens are going to advance this week, mm. but I think uh, no Rivers um, for all intents and purpose should be in my top ten. Yeah, he's um and and he reminds me at thirty seven years old the way he throws the ball still at thirty seven years old. I think that that's says something about Phillip Rivers and his capabilities as a quarterback. Um, I, I love Phillip Rivers. And I think in, in, if he does get past your Ravens this week, if the Chargers get past him, this team is scary. Deep. This team is scary. And and Phillip Rivers is the reason that this team is scary. So, and the, and the guys... I believe that the winner of this game, um, plus, plus the, uh, the Chiefs, could be looking at the Super Bowl. You could be. You could be, and and but don't forget your Texans are still around. Yes, they are. They're, they're still around. You, you can't deny your prediction there. Now, I'm sorry, if it's Texans and Ravens in the AFC Championship, I'm, I'm I'm saying screw my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, last but not least, the guy that that you left off your list there, and I think is Michael Thomas from mm-hmm. the New Orleans Saints. Michael Thomas is the number six receiver in the league. Um, the guy is uh, just a beast. Uh, he really is. He's uh, Drew Brees' number one guy. Um, Fourteen hundred and five yards this year. Nine touchdowns. I mean, just I big year. Another one. Another big year. Last year, Michael Thomas, and and the reason I say this in the division around last year against my Minnesota Vikings, the number one defense in the league. Michael Thomas ate us alive. Michael Thomas was the sole reason uh, outside of Drew Brees play. Drew Brees played very well in the second half of that game. But Michael Thomas was the guy he was hitting all game long. Michael Thomas is a scary, scary man. Yes, he, he is. He's a damn good receiver. He's fast. He has great hands. He's a great red zone threat. He's like one of those, they always say in baseball, oh, you're a five-tool player. This guy's a five-tool player. He is the kind of guy that you just you make your whole passing offense, you base it around that. Um, I love this. I, I, I love that Michael Thomas is, is going to be on the field. I love that he's going to be out there just tearing it up. Michael Thomas is a very, very good player. They're going to sign him to a long-term deal. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to be my number one, and I'm going to make him uh, a, a monster playmaker in the NFC. Nobody can seem to stop the guy. No, they can't. No, he, he was like a, a, almost like a young Randy Moss. It's kind of scary how, how good and, he and is. He's, he's, never, he's the other guy that was just my last couple of cuts on my top ten. He's the guy I really wanted in there. But I came down to him and Hill, and Hill's got the numbers. Like, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So uh, with that, that is uh, Freytown's Forgetful 5. And Tyler, we've got episode 25 in the books. Wow. Leading, and we're in wild card weekend here. 
So uh, we've we've gone through our predictions. We've we've got it all. How does that feel? Twenty five in feels great. We went we're fast. We're we're a quarter of the way to a hundred. Yeah, if the, if the if the Ravens win the Super Bowl this year, I'm gonna really we can't stop doing podcasts. It's, it's, uh, I can't change tradition. Can't change tradition. You got to keep it going. Oh uh, God! If the Ravens win the Super Bowl, I'm just gonna take a couple weeks off. And... No, we can't. You got to do the exact exact same way. It's got to be done the exact same way. Exactly. Whatever day every episode fell on last year, we have to do it the same way. The same way. We, we can't change anything. If the Ravens win the Super Bowl. Oh geez. Everything's got to be done the same exact way. Superstitious Tyler. <laughs> Um, so, uh, and I just want to take a quick moment, uh, special thanks to our sponsor, It's Your Time Massage, check them out, IYTMassage.com, get yourself a massage, um, schedule your appointments online, and, uh, and check her out on Facebook, Amanda's a wonderful massage therapist, she does a great job, Tyler gets massages from her all the time, I do as well, um, Amanda's tremendous, so, uh, check her out, you can schedule your appointment online, or you can give her a call, um, we got the commercials on all throughout the show, so you can always, uh, get that phone number. Um, so check her out, IYT Massage, or you can check her on Facebook, It's Your Time Massage. Um, yeah, beyond that, Tyler, we're, we're ready to rock. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, brother. That is a wrap. Um, so check us out on Facebook, check us out uh, at the Outside Blitz, and um, yeah, we're, we're good to go. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We will see you uh, next week, right here. Go Ravens! No, no. We'll see you next week, right here. On the outside blitz. Join us soon on the outside blitz and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the outside blitz and feel free to email us questions at the outside blitz at gmail.com. <laughs>